So, bro, first of all, I don't think you get enough respect on your fucking name and what you've done. And I'm going to share just my personal opinions. Like, I don't speak for fucking anyone else, but like, I think my opinion is very strong and like has a fucking just deep cemented, you know, place in our industry because of like what I've gone through and like what I've watched happen from like the hills. For those who don't know, like you've been fucking building badass fucking companies for cannabis for a very, very long time. And like you've been in these trenches endlessly since the very, very beginning like myself. But like the shit you've done is fucking legendary. And like you have a spot in the Hall of Fame at the very fucking top. And I just think it's important for you to hear that from someone like me. Thanks, bro. I really appreciate it. Like, thank you dude from fucking air conditioning days and starting your own company and like the fucking mine and the pivot and a lot of this shit like I talk about and then like at the hardest time in the fucking world to like come into an oversaturated crazy cutthroat fucking market like this and and be like I'm forging my fucking way and we're gonna start a lighting company like then it's the best lighting company in the fucking world you know and then to follow that up with like nutrients is like insane so you're a fucking goat times a million you're at the top and like i don't give a fuck how you feel or or what you think about that but like it's the truth bro and for me it's just inspiring to be able to sit here and like have conversations and like now in my life like be able to be on a team with like fucking great commanders like you thanks bro i really appreciate that of course you know it's it's all about the being in the garden just like for you for sure Um, but it's more than that because like to take that kind of like weight, like it's different than like being in a garden, like a company in California on top. I mean, like it just keeps fucking compounding and compounding and compounding. Like the splinter effect is fucking crazy. Yeah. You know, I think a big deal is, is the, what drives people, you know, and different things drive different individuals and what drives I think the most successful people aren't driven by money. I think they're driven by the desire to create something out of nothing, um, to do something that nobody's else done before, and and really just to to make an impact, you know, on either the industry or or you know, for us, it's it's the cultivator. So, thanks, man. I really appreciate those kind of words. For sure. Thank you. And I mean, for those who who've been in this and know, like. You're fucked if you think money is going to run things. If you're getting in this for money, like there's a million better things that you can do. You know what I mean? Like I'll never forget this time in in my life. It was probably like my earlier 30s. I'm going to turn 39 this year. And up until like for so long, I carried so much like fucking just worry, like immense worry in my life, like growing up, like is my spot going to get hit? Will I lose my income? How much money do I need to make to, to fucking be able to be safe? Like my, my time growing up was not spent like, Oh, I want to have a commercial facility. I want to fucking have a brand. Like I was different. You know, I came up totally different. My fucking point of view was different. My whole time as a, as a young man, I'm thinking, what do I have to, to have? Like, what do I have to accumulate to, to be free? Like the last fucking job I feel like I ever worked, I was like 19 and I'm like, okay, like if I want to be a free man till the day I die, like how much is that number? Like 
how much do I have to make? And like, there was so much worry and, and fucking for years and years. And then one point, like, I want to say late twenties before I got raided and shit, something like clicked in my head where it was just like, I, I shifted my momentum to just grinding it out and fucking doing as much as I can. And like my focus changed. And then like, dude, it just started coming and coming and coming. And it's come ever since then because it's not been like my main fucking priority and my way of life is just worrying about money and how much I have and can I pay my bills and what am I going to do, you know? Yeah, your 20s is a critical, you know, time in your life when I think a lot of us are trying to figure out the direction in life, where we're, where we're headed, where we want to go, what drives us, what, what excites us, you know? And, yeah. and I'd seen a lot of my friends that have found their niche and gone with it and you know, I was lucky enough to find something that really drove me to to work hard and be passionate about something. And you know, back in when you were nineteen and you're going through your twenties, I mean, um, that's where it all happens. You know, you can either you have two different roads ahead of you. You know, you take this road, you end up, you know, for sure. And then you take another road and you end up killing it. So, now I appreciate. It. Thanks for being here, bro. Of course. Thank you. I'll be here fucking anytime. I'll be anywhere else. Like I'm a fucking soldier for my team. You know what I mean? And yeah. like the, for me, like it's important. Like I'm, my life is full of fantasizing, you know? And for me, like I, I love feeling like I'm this like fucking black knight where like I'm part of the team. I might not be here on the day to day, but like when you need me, like I come in fucking uh, as a fucking sword baron, you know? How often are you traveling right now? Because you've been traveling a, a lot. I have been traveling a lot. Like, I travel right now um, about once a week. I, I go to Michigan once a week, once a month for a whole week, seven days. I'm not really traveling outside of that. Like, I was going to Oklahoma, Michigan, Arizona, Mississippi, like different places that, like, you know, hired me for coaching or consultation. I hate using that word, you know, but um, I was doing that for a while, and I've just kind of, like backed off that to strictly focus on like the project projects I have in Michigan. So something happened, like you really exploded starting about a year and a half ago. Like what was the change mentally? What happened? It wasn't even like uh, mentally for me. It was just like I was coming from the black market, you know, like I just had my licensed farm in Calaveras, they just banned it. So like me and my wife had gone through everything to get like that place licensed and, and it was self-funded and I built everything myself and they came and banned it. And so like when that happened, I was like, fuck dude, I'm, I'm done. Like <laughs> I'm not doing this shit again. Like just seems like it's been so much fucking work through the meat grinder and in and out. And I'm like, dude, I'm going to pack up my horse and fucking slowly ride into the ride into the sunset. And right at that time, Brandon from Mercy Wellness had reached out to me and he's like, man, I've got these cultivation facility coming online and we just hung the lights. And do you want to take a look at our plans? And I've got some other projects, you know, I want to do with you and have you a part of this. So like I made that shift right then and I just started like showing my Instagram stories every fucking day, like all day long, like through the build process. And then every single fucking day, there was no day where like I skipped or did anything. So like I was on this 
and, and up until that point, some people had followed me. And then I went to like what I consider this grand level, you know, like it's like I stepped onto the major leagues for the first time and I'm the fucking rookie and I was picked like 99th out of a fucking hundred into the draft. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I'm coming into this big stage two years ago where shit's fairly, you know, fairly new and everything. And I just laid it all out there, you know, like my who I fucking am, my attitude, my outlook on shit, just everything all day long. And just people started gravitating towards that. And and I built I had a lot to do with building this spot I'm in, doing the plumbing, fucking building the kits, the irrigation kits, like showing my trials and my tribulations, my fails, my successes, but like crushing it. You know what I mean? Like fucking crushing it when I say crushing it by myself with one other employee named Alex doing all the metric, all that shit, sourcing our cuts. Like I basically went into that and took over this building. You know what I mean? Cause I was like, look, Brandon, fuck hiring a cultivator. Like I can prove myself. Like, let me show you, you pick the right fucking person. Yeah. Reading through the questions that we got in, you have a fucking massive fan base. People are like massive. It, it's, it's, I don't even think about it as fan base because like to me, I'm just a regular person. Like I'm another fucking guy in the trenches. My story, unfortunately, like I've been through a lot more shit than the average, average person. But I've always told myself like, well, like I carry this burden cause I can handle it. Like any situation I fucking get into, you know, now later in life, I realize like I do well in fucked up situations. Like I me, mean, we don't want to be in, in them, but like I can keep my shit together and, and, and just get right into the right mindset of getting out of it. And so for me, I've just felt like I, I carried this burden, you know, for a lot of people, basically. I think what sets you apart is you have zero filter. You speak it like it is. There's no bullshit. This is what it is. Like it or hate it. Take it. For sure. You and know? like, you don't have to like it to still win. And a lot of people don't. Yeah. But you still, you fucking roll with it. But they it. still fuck with me. Yeah. They yeah, still exactly. follow me. They still want my tech. They still want to fucking be a part of like the shit I'm doing. And that's cool. Like I'm not here to make friends. I don't want any fucking friends in my life. Like who, who's part of my life now is who I've got. Like I don't need no one else. I don't need to hang out with anybody. So if you fuck with me right now, like you're winning, like you're going to win. Even if you don't like me, you're going to learn from me. You're going to learn from like shit I've been through. You're going to learn from my actions. You know, you can, you can just, I'm not going to block people. Like when people talk shit about me and shit, I'm not going to block them. Like, I don't give a fuck. No, what's impressive is uh, how you respond to them. Like you welcome it. You're like, let's go. It's boring as fuck sometimes. Like, like look at Razor Ramon and fucking ravishing Rick Rude. And like, I've always been drawn to these heels. You know what I'm saying? Like. These are bad dudes, but like we like them. Like there's something about it. Venom, you know what I mean? Like fucking um, who's Batman's fucking crazy arch nemesis with the mask and shit? Joker. Uh, Joker, and then was it Bane? I don't know. I don't know about Bane. Bane. So like just like we like that kind of shit. Like fucking everyone want to be cookie cutter and be like, bro, like it's gonna be so good, dude. Like fucking love you. And then like, you know what I'm saying? They're like, fuck that guy. Like Jesse's a punk bitch. You won't share that cut. You know, like just fucking be real. Like, yeah. like I'll sit at, at, at a table and break bread with fucking snakes and, and evil fucking people just stay in your basket or I'll grab your throat. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like we're cool. 
as long as like you show me your true intentions and, and be who the fuck you are. Where did you grow up at? Where did this all, where did you, where did you start cultivating? Where'd you grow up? What's your story? So I grew up in Mendocino County in this small little town called Wallala. Had the most amazing fucking childhood like anyone could have. Like me and my brother were born in this log cabin, like half the size of this room. And like that log cabin was like trees that my mom and dad like fucking cut down with an ax, skinned the bark carried these fucking logs to the site, chipped it, and, like, built a log cabin, like, fucking Abe Lincoln style. No power, no running water, you know, no flushing bathroom, shit like that. And, like, we were born by candlelight, way out in the fucking woods, natural birth. Me you and my younger brother. Home. Born at home. In a log cabin. In a log cabin. With no power, no electric. Candlelight. You're fucking savage. Well, now, my parents it, it are savage. It all makes sense now. My parents are savage. This is all coming together. Like, my dad is a fucking, another animal. Like, just watching him, like, grow up and, like, the memories I have of him, he was a fucking savage. Like, he came from New Jersey, like, in the 70s with, like, a dream with my mom, and they got this, this, um, you know, the Good Good Earth Almanac? Have you ever looked at that book? No. Fucking badass book. Like, dude, this book is like a picture book of survival. And, like, he got this, dude, it's an amazing book. It's paperback. I don't know where you get it now, but it's it's sick. I'm gonna write it down. And, and I listened to the West Point, um, bro. Yeah, last night, 25 Fucking minutes punked, on the way dude. home, dude. That shit's savage, and Amazing. you made a lot of good points. Amazing, like even the end of that. I, I suggest anyone listens to that. It's the fucking uh, 2022 commence, commencement speech of West Point graduates. Amazing, and like. He touched on so many amazing things, but just the camaraderie and who we are as Americans and what we believe in. And like, that's what America is fucking to me. And we'd have no problems if everybody took that oath that lived within our borders. Yeah. hundred percent. When did, but going back to growing up. Yeah. So we're born in this fucking log cabin, me and my brother. So very humble beginnings, as you can tell, you know, like my dad splitting firewood and selling firewood to make us money. And so we grew up like just imagination, like my imagination was everything. And I was so into like fucking nights and the round table. And, you know, my name's Lance. And my mom told me I was named after Sir Lance a lot and just like put a lot of shit into my head from like a very young age, you know, instead of like dinosaurs, I'm into fucking cowboys and Indians and Vikings and and all that kind of shit. So growing up was just that, you know, when, when my brother was six and I think I was two, my parent or my brother was two, I was six, my parents split and my mom left. My dad started over again. So like they sold that place and then we started on a raw piece of property and we lived in like a plywood shed, a quarter the size of this fucking room. So just very, very humble beginnings and like all imagination and like playing out in the woods with sticks. And me and my younger brother did fucking everything together, everything. And so like, that's just, you know, like that, that, that's the principles of like what I, as I'm becoming an adult, like that's the shit I'm into imagination and, and these fucking badass warriors, you know, in the past. Now I was thinking about it last night just because hanging out, with you, you, you're a really smart guy, you know, and you a different have, type of smart though. You have a mouthpiece that blows me away. I mean, you, the, you just speak right off the tongue. You don't miss a beat. 
And when you were talking last night and telling your story about growing up and, and kind of being bored and creating your own, you know, imagination and doing all this stuff in the woods. And, and I was like, we're real big. I have two little girls and we have a four year old. She's almost five. And a lot of her friends have iPads. For sure. They FaceTime each other. And, you know, one of the other moms are like, hey, get your, you know, daughter an iPad so she can FaceTime with my daughter. And my wife and I are like, you know, we kind of want her to be bored. For sure. We, we, a lot of the times I'll come around the corner when I'm home on the weekends or something, and she'll be in the garage and ha- just tear the garage apart and just be playing her own little thing by herself you know, creating her own little world, doing her own little thing, no iPad, no TV, you know, she's only allowed to watch TV at night, um, before she goes to bed. And I think it does something to the brain where it makes you more creative and it makes you build a different kind of, I don't know, mindset. For sure. Social media and and iPhones and iPads are another level of like a different level of addiction. Like, yeah. I don't have a, an addicting personality. I can fucking and I'm I'm good and sober nowadays and everything, but like I can party with you all night and never like touch a drug again or be like, "Oh, I want to do that." Or like I've been very lucky in my life to not have an addicting personality, right? And there's these vices that other people get stuck with and they get addicted to. Dude, what they've done with like our phones and iPads, it is by far the easiest, like if, if addiction of alcohol, cigarettes, Coke, pills, all that shit's like right here, it's this much easier to get addicted to that. And like the whole world is addicted. Like you see grandmas like in the airport, like when I'm walking around and looking around and it, it they're scrolling. It's like a fucking phenomenon addiction. Yeah. yeah. And like, I'm bad at it too. You know, like you might go to do a couple shit and then like you're stuck and like you got to snap the fuck out of it because like that's all wasted time. That's like minutes in our day. You know what I'm saying? And like we have to strike fucking now with anything we're doing to, to not wait. You know what so I'm saying? I, I make a to-do list, right? And at the t- I have a to-do list I look at every day. You know, I have my calendar and my to-do list. At the top of my to-do list says don't waste time on Instagram. I mean, you got to be conscious of it. And I want it to hit me in the face every day because you'll get lost in there and just kind of get in your little zone. It's so important to balance it out. And it's worse than it's ever been. Yeah. Our, our feeds are full of fucking ads. We suggest this and this and this, all this bullshit I don't want to see. I don't even see people's posts that I'm following. My response rate has gone down. My interaction level has gone down like... It's a fucking cancer, dude. And they're like, yeah, they're not on our side, but like we have to play the game. Like for those of us relying like myself, I rely on Instagram for business. Business created my company and my business because of fucking Instagram. And like in such a hard time and in this crazy fucking shit we're going through in our industry and times and rising costs, like it's fucking hard enough to do business, yet they make it a thousand percent fucking harder for you. As a distraction. They're like, hey, let's fill your boots with water and sand and climb the sand dune. Like it was hard enough, bare feet, but now like I've got these fucking weights attached to me. It's yeah. just so much harder, you know? Now, it's just important to stay conscious. Everything in life is balance. For sure. You got to balance everything. So I'm trying to like, my main 
focus and thought behind of like what everything I'm doing is like, I want to do shit for people. You know what I mean? Like anything I'm doing or listen, I got to make fucking money. You know what I mean? Like you have to make money to live. You have to make money to have events and, and companies and be able to do all this shit and employ people. Like I've got to make money. Can't do it for free. So I'm trying to do things that people really like and want to engage with and do things more like that help benefit other fucking people. And, I, and, and I'm just on the philosophy that as long as I continue with that as my mission and helping other people grow and doing things for like the general good of the community and shit like that, I will be favored and people will fuck with me. That's exactly how you do it. Yeah. That if you want to drive success you for yourself you drive success for other people first. And that's the most rewarding. Yeah, 100%. Like the, the biggest rewards and like I'm on another fucking level right now than I've ever been in, in my life. And that's because like so many people are sharing in my success, whether they realize it or not. Anyone who fucking spends some money and gets me on the phone for 30 minutes or buys one of my fucking kits or a $20 hole punch or anything like is a part of my success. And whether you fucking like me or you don't or you want to put me on mute, you're going to win with me in your fucking corner. Whether I'm holding your water bottle or I'm fucking mopping up after you when you're done training in the ring, it doesn't matter what the position is or cleaning the fucking toilets. 100%. You know? As long as you have me on the squad, you're going to do better than if I'm fucking not on your team. Yeah. When did you start growing? When was your fr- when did you plant your first plant? So very interesting about that. Like from a... like. I knew that I wanted to grow when I was like 19 because I'm like buying weed and slanging it. I'm like, bro, I need to fuck getting this. Who's growing it? Where's it coming from? Like I planted, like everything I do, I plant these seeds. And like sometimes it takes years for a fucking plant to grow. Everybody's spoiled with cannabis and fucking hits in 90 days from the time you plant a clone and they think everything in life's like that, but like it's fucking not, you know what I mean? And like if you can have that mentality and that focus and you can remember your priorities, okay, I planted that seed. Okay, well, fuck, in order for me to like achieve that seed, like I've got to go through all these other miniature crop plantings and these other successes because like you can plant a seed and you can't get to the fucking fruit that 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 seed bears. You have to have other shit built to fucking get up there. You know what I'm saying? Like I like setting big shit that'll take years. And so like when I was 19, I'm like, man, I got to fucking get, I got to get a grow. Like I'm selling weed. Like I got to fucking get a grow. But even at that age, I'm like, man, I'm not going to get a fucking rental house. I'm not going to go put money into this. Like money was so little, dude. When I'm talking 19, I'm making fucking $7 and 25 cents sweeping a floor of a body shop. Like your paychecks are like $300, bro. You can barely live and you're like 19 in this new world and you have no fucking skills. And it's like, fuck, dude, this is going to be a long road to the top. Like I need to do something else. Like this isn't, isn't the way. So I remember just knowing like I have to get a house and I have to own that house. So nobody can like tell me I can't grow in that house. You know, like I can't be putting myself in some situation where I'm going to learn and figure this shit out, like where I can just get booted or, or taken. So I officially planted my first garden when I was 23 years old, 24. I just turned 24. So I bought a house in Sonoma County when I was 23, Saved up making paper. like 15 bucks an hour. Saved up, pa- <laughs> <laughs> Saved up some paper. I didn't even have like a lot of paper saved up. 
I had like, dude, when you're selling weed and making like fucking five a sack and like you smoke heavy like I do, like there ain't a lot of profit in it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But like, you got to keep moving. Long story short, I, I saved up like $9,000, right? And I went to my dad and I'm like, dad, I got to borrow 11 G's. And my dad's like, you know, when are you going to pay me back? How long is it going to take? You know, and like he brought me this crusty ass fucking money that like just smelled old and shit. Like the oldest bills you've ever seen. He dug it up. Dug it up or had it from a saving. You got to remember, like my dad came from extremely humble beginnings. He was a hardworking contractor, blue collar, started his life over again. You know, when I was fucking six my brother was too what he what he felt is starting over he dude he was this crazy woodsman and handcrafted this fucking amazing redwood house that he was building like eventually building this house for us to move into in this amazing fucking shop with big beams he cut himself and like when my parents got a divorce he never got to sleep in that house one night and like left that and like he left with a lot of fucking just anger and I can't imagine that kind of anger when like you've worked your whole life for something and then it doesn't work out how you want and it's just gone. Well, actually I do. I do know that, but not on a level where like I hand built this fucking insane, like, I mean like hand crafted, cut all his own fucking wood for the house with his own mill. Bro, crazy story. My mom and him were milling that fucking wood, like cutting woods deep in the fucking out in the woods and shit. And like she somehow something fucking happened when he was cutting and, and people they didn't hear each other and she bumped into him and he spun around and ripped the chainsaw up her fucking leg from her ankle like all the way to her hip. Like so lucky she lived through that. Like that was before I was born and they're out in the middle of nowhere. Like could you imagine fucking hitting your your wife with a fucking chainsaw and just go right up her leg like just blew through her leg like nothing? That was fucking insane. Intense. So like... <laughs> He's been through some shit, you know, and then restarting, he was really just intense, yeah, intense, angry. Like a lot of my childhood, I dealt with a lot of that shit. I don't know where I was going, but he dug that up. And, and I remember we were in Redwood Credit Union parking lot in uh, Roner Park. And he, he hands me this money and he's like, you need, I got this fucking contract, you know? And I, I looked at this contract and it said, I... Lant, my dad has this very distinctive handwriting. You know, he's wrote me some letters over the years. And, you know, just like a straight contract on a piece of paper. I, Lance Guyan, promise to fulfill this debt by this date. You know, no, like, payments or anything like that, but, like, that I'd pay him back, you know, and sign that. He gave me that money so I could put $20,000 in a in a, a bank account because that was, like, one of the, you know, I wanted to show that I had this money for a year because I'm going to apply for this house, like, in a year. And I paid him back that, by the way, but I got a house. How long did it take you? To get the house? No, to get paid him back. Mm. Within the first year of having the house. So I get the house. I'm Granted, I'm making like fucking $15 an hour. Like there's no way you can get a house. So like I had to fully fab all the fucking loan documents. W-2s, pay stubs, fucking everything. Full on made you know like i'm like a fucking like an outlaw at heart like straight robin hood outlaw and what i consider a robin hood outlaw is someone like i don't need fucking anyone telling me what i can and can't do and like rules written that i have to fucking follow 
bullshit. You know what I mean? Like, there's no reason someone can say, you know what? To us, you can't afford this, so we're not going to give you a fucking loan. You can't have a place to live. Well, the rest of this society does. Like, motherfucker, if I tell you I'm going to pay you, I'm going to pay you every fucking penny. Like, I honor all my obligations. So bank or person, like, I just didn't feel that it was fair that other people who had, you know, cookie cutter shit and look good could have this. And so I was like, fuck it, dude. I'm going to do gonna, whatever it takes. If you're going to make it, you got to break the rules. For sure. Period. And, but I don't fuck with rules that are like against, you know, humankind and my brothers and sisters and, and fellow people. Like, I'm not going to step on you to get that. But like, I'm not going to like let a company decide if and when or if I even can get a fucking loan. So like, I'm going to do everything in my power to do that. And I got a full dock fucking loan on, on a $500,000 house when I was 23. Gangster. What, and what? as soon as that fucking happened, bro, the day that paper was signed, I went to the fucking hydro store with $9,000 cash and bought everything for my first room. So like, I've been planning for three fucking years. I was planning this raid. Like the way I look on like my whole descending of like the cannabis community and shit, like it was like this village, like the size of this fucking table. And for the last three years, I'm up on the fucking hill, like, you know, practicing my fucking sword skills and, and fighting fucking logs and fighting little combat shit with villagers and fucking raiding parties and shit all throughout the land. And like that day when it came, when I got to buy my hydro shit, dude, like, full fucking a million miles an hour down that hill on my steed, like ready to cut as many heads off as I could. I've arrived. Dude, straight up. And like my fur, like I didn't just like put a fucking light in my closet. You know what I mean? Like I, I do things differently. How many like, lights did you do first? Four. Yeah. Perfect. So first thing I did is like, I got this badass, like at that time, really nice house. It was right outside of the, uh, Sonoma County city limit. So it's not as cookie cutter farmland, brand new home. I was the first to live in it. So they had this beautiful piece of land. They put this fucking house up and I was like, dude, that's mine. I got to get it, whatever it takes. Like, dude, I went through shit to get that house. Like not only did I, you know, first of all, the W twos, like my friend dude. shout out to my friend, Allison. She's a beast. She would do like books. She was a badass accountant. So like I went to Allison. I'm like, Allison, like I need your help. And she's like, what do you need? And I'm like, I need my fucking pay stubs. Like I need you to write a book dating back two years ago of what all my pay stubs would be taxes, everything. If I made this much money an hour. I mean, dude, that's a lot. She started with that two years prior, every two weeks, a pay stub all the California deductions, federal deductions, net pay, pay period, like all those numbers matched up for two fucking years. I went home, blew my pay stubs on the computer, copy pasted numbers, moved all that shit around, did my W-2s. Like, now I see where you get your design skills from. Bro, it was fucking work. And like, I don't have those kind of skills. Like even like when you're like, man, you're like really smart and shit. Like I struggled in school. My spelling's terrible. All my posts are, one thing about me though is I've embraced it. Like like when people are like, oh man, this is spelled wrong. This is spelled wrong. Dude, you learn how to fucking spell. Like I'm doing my best and that's like all that someone can do. So kick fucking rocks. Like look at how strong I am in this fucking field. Who gives a fuck if I can't use the right there or this? And like 
I was I was self you know like aware of that shit in the beginning. And then I'm like, dude, fuck this. Like I've done so well and so amazing at these other points in my life. Like I don't need to pay attention to that shit. There's two different kinds of people in life. There's kind of person that would get that feedback, beat themselves up, and it'll hold them down in life. And there's the other kind of person that'll get that feedback. It'll make them work harder. It's fucking fuel. For sure. Like you just put a, you know, fuel on that fire and now you're just crushing. For sure. Nonstop. But I embrace like my weaknesses. Yeah. Like as much as I've tried, like I'm still going to always fuck that up. Like that was a part, you know, like, dude, we, we, dude, we come from a, a, a different place. Like I went to school in Point Arena. Point Arena is this tiny little fucking ocean town up in Mendocino Coast. Like I graduated preschool with 20 of the 40 people I graduated K-12 with. You know what I'm saying? Like very small. When I was a sophomore, my English teacher one time, like, dude, this is like what my school's like. Closed the door. We had this dude named Kyle. Kyle was like a year above me and he's like just rips ass in fucking class like mean like oh shit and dude we had this teacher miss mercer god bless her heart insane fucking energy you know and like he rips ass and and she had like fucking just like 1970 rocker hairspray and she's like (laughs) dude like like she heard him rip ass and like this fucking vampire like spins around like Where did that come from? Like, dude, it was weird. And she goes over and she's like, you want to fart in this class? Do it in my face. And like spins him around, like grabs him by the waist and like slams his ass like over her face and just yelling like fart, like wanted it. Like, I just tell that because like that was my English teacher. So. Dude, I'm missing out. It is what it is. (laughs) Do you know what I'm saying? Like I would have farted in her face. (laughs) Did he? I mean, like, he was trying to push it. I can't quite remember, but, like, that's the shit I remember. Dude, the same teacher one time, like, took some pills, like, before class. Dude, I've been humbled. They don't fuck around up north. This is Mendo. So I'm, like, below, like, you know, there's the the triangle. Like, Mendo's, like, the first county. You know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah, they don't fuck around. No. Holy shit. No. One time she fucking took some pills, like, at, at the beginning of class, and literally I, like, just saw her, like, did this thing and then just nodded and crashed her head into the desk. And this girl, Jennifer Bowles, jumps up and she's like, oh my God, we need to get help. And I'm like, sit your fucking ass down. Everybody remain quiet. And like, just had no one do anything. So like, we just, I mean, in hindsight, it's pretty terrible. But like, for that 45 minutes, we're just fucking around and she's out. Like, like, fucked up. And I'm like, I don't want to wake her. Like, everybody just chill. Like, keep the fucking door closed. You know what I mean? And, like, after class, we can say something. Hour and a half later, like, over the loudspeaker, it's like, Lance, can you please come to the front to the front principal's office? And I'm like, fuck, dude. That bitch fucking ratted on me. You know? And, like, I get there, and he's like, we just want to commend you on, on taking control of the situation and calming the class down and doing the right thing. And I'm just like, oh, fuck. Fuck yeah, like there for once, go. like the bad guys win. <laughs> <laughs> she just crashed out? What was crashed she? out. Pills? Some sleeping pills, pills or pills, some fucking shit back then. Dude, it's it's a hard life to live also. Like it's a very, very rural area, you know? And like people don't get it. Like I've watched people, I haven't really seen anyone do great on the hill that I've ever hired. Like at a certain point, most of the time, like everybody succumbs to fucking... You know what I mean? Like the mountain virus, you know? 
when uh, when did you f- start focusing on cannabis full time? Quit your job, like this Bro, is what 23, I'm doing. When I got that house, I'm like, this is what I'm doing. I've been I've been selling weed. You know what I mean? Like I've been wanting to grow for three fucking years. I just got this house, dude. It was fucking sick too. Like I didn't just hang no fucking plastic and shit. Like from the very beginning, like I had this shit in my mind. Like my dad was a craftsman. Before this, I was in car audio. Like before 23, I was doing like fiberglass and running wires. And I got to work with like one of the baddest installers in the world. Like one first place in in world sound quality championship in in a car in a Mercedes that he built. Um, top 100 installers year after year after year after year. So like I took a liking to this guy. Like when I started working at the car stereo store and everything he fucking did was pristine. Like he'd do just the basic amp install and it'd take like four hours and they only charge like $70 for it. But like, you can't say anything to Scott. Like, and, and you'd like look over and his fucking wires are like perfectly in a straight line with a zip tie every fucking six inches with the head of the zip tie facing the right way and like pristine, like nicer than the car wiring and shit itself, you know? And so I was just at this right age where like at that time, first I wanted to be a pro wrestler after I realized like I probably couldn't make it against these giants. Like I was like, dude, I want to do car audio for the rest of my life. Like super into car audio. Even in high school, I was building systems, subs. So like very fabrication, loving fabrication and shit. And so working with this dude, I just absorbed like everything he did and how he did things. And so my very first grow room was fucking pristine. You know, it was in this room. I pulled the carpet up. I put a fucking, you know, a uh, tarp down. This is a brand new house, like in my back bedroom. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? But like, I didn't know where else to build it. And back then, like, I'm not going to fucking all of a sudden never open my garage and let people see that. Like people don't understand. Like when I came up, it was dangerous. Like you didn't have friends. You didn't have a click. You don't have anything like my best friends at that time who are my best friends for years. I would never fucking tell what I did. Yeah. That's the biggest difference. We, we growing up and growing, I didn't, nobody knew like nobody. The only person that knew was my brother and my fucking parents because like I've always been open with them. And like, I went to my dad and I'm like, look dad, like I'm fucking building this grow room in here. Like yeah. you can make sure I don't burn the house down. Or I'm going for it. Yeah, I had dated girl, a girl for years, and she had no idea what I did. She had no idea that there was a grow inside Same. the garage. Same. You know, you'd never tell that chick, bro. And still, like to this day, like how fucking dare you look me in my eyes and tell me I'm doing something if I tell you I'm not? Like, if you want to fuck with me, you you ask me that one more fucking time. You ask me that one more time, I'll never talk to you again, and you'll be dead to me. Like, I was stoned. What? Fuck no, I don't grow. Fuck that. You have to be that way. And, like, I'm saying, like, dead locked. Yeah. Yeah. That's a dumb fucking question. I remember a big thing for me growing up through the industry was the first time I sold pounds, elbows. I sold four pounds to a dude in Long Beach. Um, named John at a collective for five grand each walked out of that, you know, office with, with 20 racks in my backpack. I I think I was like 20 fucking changed my life forever. I was like, I love growing. 
I love growing this plant. I love everything about this plant. But now I can go bigger and buy more lights, get another spot. When's the first time you sold elbows? Dude. So I had I had an experience like yourself, but went terribly the opposite way. It was five pounds. It was the first time that I'd ever sold a pound before. I was 19 years old, and I got shot seven times in that whole situation. Fucking insane. Very first time I was 19, never sold pounds up until that point, wasn't even looking to sell pounds. My best friend at the time, who was also my roommate, you know, came to me and was like, hey man, my cousin's coming up from Arizona, like, can we sell him five pounds? And I was like, fuck, you know, like, I'll look into it, you know, see if I can get it, and found out that like I could get it, you know, and, and he set that, he set that deal up and those fucking dudes tried robbing me. And like, I basically fought fucking back, you know, cause I was so scared of like what was going to happen to me from like the growers, you know, like I was, I was like, fuck, dude, these guys are going to kill me. Like I got to put up a fight and try to get this back. And dude, these guys went for broke and I didn't even think I was getting shot, honestly, because there was a silencer and like I thought I was getting, you know, like when 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 something that extreme happens to you, like you go into this just crazy fantasy fucking different realm. You know what I mean? Like you're you start at least for me, like you start and I've always kind of done this where like when shit happens, I'm like all right, dude, it's going to be okay. You're going to get out of this. Like I immediately, like my self-conscious starts like this fucking like fight or f- this fight mode where like no matter what's happening, like game face motherfucker, it's game time. You know what I'm saying? And like, I just remember immediately like it happening and never in my mind could I believe like, first of all, somebody would ever come to like rob me, let alone shoot me, let alone do this. Like this can't happen to me. So I thought I was getting shot with a pellet gun and I just fucking blew up into this fit of rage. Were you inside the car? So what happened was these guys were supposed to come earlier in the day and meet me. And I worked at the body shop still, you know, where I was making like seven fucking dollars an hour. And they just kept pushing it off and pushing it off and and pushing it off. And then like I got woken at like 2.30 in the morning and I had this terrible terrible feeling in my stomach and man like fucking thinking back to then like (laughs) you're just like young bro and 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 so fucking naive and and stupid and you don't like dude I came from Mendo like I came from this such this safe fucking place like the safest place in the world like nothing happens to you out there except like crashing your motorcycle (laughs) you know what I'm saying like and so, like, coming into the fucking real world and, and never having experience where, like, like trust your gut and always follow your... Like, I just didn't know. And, like, in my fucking mind at that point, I remember just being like, dude, I just got to get this deal done. Like, I got to get this money. Like, oh, I got to go to work in, like, a few hours. Like, I just need to go handle this real quick. And, like, I walked down the, the step of the fucking house and I had the fucking bin, you know, with me. And I remember, like, opening the door, dude. And the dude who shot me is like, like, I'll never forget. Like there's images that are burned in your mind forever. And like, I remember just opening the door and and he's standing there and like, 
just like there's this frozen moment you know what I mean I just see it like I see it now you know like looking at you not (laughs) saying like that's it but like I can picture it it's so dark and there's like this fucking devil devilish red glow like behind his fucking silhouette and he's standing there and I'm like hey man I got the weed right here like you got the money he's like oh come out the car I'm like fucking come out the car like let's just fucking do this like where's the cash he's like dude I got it in your car I got it out here in the car and I'm like fuck so like I grab the bin we head to the car he pops the hatch I put the fucking gray container back there close the hatch he's like hey man your money's right over here on the passenger side and like dude it's just like red flag after red flag and I'm just like I just never forget. I'm like, oh my God, like, let's get this over with. Like, just go count this fucking money real quick. And like, I've never sold pounds before, you know, like it's a lot of money to count. And there's this money bag, like, you know, Bank of America, the zipper ones like on the floor. And I sat down there and it's the right shape and shit. And I pick it up and it feels right. And I unzip it and I look in and like, it was literally like a stack four inches thick of just cut white paper. And like, I look at it And like, I look back up at him and he's got a fucking gun in my face. And I'm just like, dude, my first thought is like, fuck, I got to get the weed back. Like, that's the first thing I thought of. Because you got that on the cuff. Got that on the cuff. It's my first time. Like, you don't fucking like, dude, back then you wouldn't tell a grower like, hey, bro, I lost your shit. Like, no, dude. There was stories back then of like people getting buried and shit when, when they didn't return with their money. Especially up there. You know, like it wasn't like, and like I had this, this insane sense of fucking word, like at such an young age of like doing what I said I would do at all fucking costs. You know what I mean? No matter what. And like maybe even more than my life, like it was the word that I'd given. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I told it like that so fucking terrible in hindsight you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. i don't know what would have happened if i just like let it go but i just remember like looking at that guy and i'm like man you're a fucking piece of shit fuck you he's like get the fuck out of the car i'm gonna blow your fucking head off i spit at him i'm like go fuck yourself i'm like dude i'm gonna count to fucking five and start screaming bloody fucking murder and wake this whole motherfucking neighborhood up you know, and he's just like kind of starts shaking and I just like, they're, they're trying to pull me out of the car. He's grabbing me like by my sweatshirt, trying to pull me out of the fucking car. And like, I st- it was an Integra. So I stuck my hand through the headrest and I'm holding the headrest and I'm like, one, two. And like, right when I, like he took a step back, like right when I started counting, he like took like three steps back. There's like a fucking curb here. The driver's like, it was so weird because like, when I was sitting there, I looked behind me and there's a dude in the back seat and, and this dude's like freaked out. And then there's a, the driver, the driver's like, these dudes aren't acting the same as this guy. Like, obviously they came here, they had a fucking plan. They were in on it, but these dudes were like, like almost frozen. Like I remember like looking right at the dude behind me, just like staring at him. And he was just like, like this crazy fear. They were not expecting you to fucking. They weren't probably not expecting the whole thing. So like, no. I just remembered when I said three, I fucking dove over the driver because his door was open, dude. And is immediately as soon as I made my move, that fucking dude, that dude, I'm trying to remember his name. His name was I don't even remember his name, but he leaned in and just fucking unloaded the whole magazine into the car, 
And like, as I jumped through and was getting the other side, seven of those nine bullets hit me. Thank God below my waist. I would have been fucked. What happened after that? Did, did he empty the whole clip? Did he come around and try to... The whole thing, like... And it happened so fast. By the time I had gotten over the driver, or like my feet are dragging over him like a snake, like I already been hit. I felt all this shit hitting me. You know what I mean? Like but at it the was time, just, you thought it was a pellet gun. Yeah, he had a silencer on it. Like, thank God it was a twenty-five caliber. It was like a desert. It was a small handgun. You know, like a forty-five or a nine would have done, done terrible destruction to my body and definitely would not be here today. But luckily, you know... It was, it was a small fucking caliber. Um, had a silencer, so I thought he shot me with a pellet gun. Like, coming out the other side, I was extremely angry. One of the, like, if I can remember a time in my life, like, I've never snapped before. Like, this moment caused me to snap, but, like, I recall it. And all I could think still was get my fucking weed back. Like, I'm going to the back of this car to get my weed. And right at the time, dude, when we came around the corner, like he's still pointing this gun at me, which I thought was a pellet gun. And dude, I just attacked him, like fucking just went up and fucking through this elbow, hit him right like by the bridge of his nose, like right into his eye. He went down and I just blew through the glass of the back fucking window with my forearm and grabbed my fucking, grabbed my little, my container and start trying to get back to the fucking house. Dude, you are a fucking gangster. And like at that point, like my legs aren't working like they should. They can't carry me. My left leg's shattered. I've got fucking two bullets in my right leg. You know, like, I'm, like, falling, but, like, just just fucking... All I could think was to, like, get in the fucking door and assess the situation, but I got the fucking weed back. Like, mission accomplished. Like, relieved. It was weird, dude. Like, I felt this sense of, like, relief for just a second. And then I'm like, okay, I got a whole nother problem. I'm gonna have to deal with like, fuck dude. Like I'm, I, how am I going to get these pellets out of my leg without telling anyone without going to the hospital? I've got work in the morning. Like in that, mo like, dude, this is what I'm thinking about heading to the front door. It's like, I got work in three hours. I don't know how I'm going to get these pellets out of my fucking leg. I'm not going to the fucking doctor. I'm not going to the hospital. Let's just get inside and <laughs> assess the situation. I mean, bro, there's gunshots in the neighborhood, screaming. Like, did you end up calling the cops or did no. you so call like, the ambulance? When I came into the house, the first thing, like, I it's the first point I see light, and like I get in there and drop the fucking thing, fall at the head of the steps, and at this point I'm like, okay, my legs aren't working like they should. Like something in your brain, you're starting to realize something's wrong, you know, but so much other shit's going on and I've got work in the morning. Like, let's just figure this out. And like, then that's when like, I look down and like just this insane amount, like my legs were gurgling. Like it reminded me of like a seven up bottle, like upside down, like gurgle and spit and like kind of spitting. Like they were just, I was wearing shorts and like there's fucking blood everywhere all over me. I can't. And like, I was like, oh my fucking God. My immediately thought is like, fuck, like my, my deposit, this fucking house. Like, like my, my dude, I'm just like, fuck, dude. Like I got to get to the bathtub. You know, if I can get to the bathtub, everything's going to be okay. Like that was my next thing. I'm like, just get to the bathtub. You'll stop the bleeding. 
everything's going to be out. Like, dude, I, I remember it very vividly, you know, and got up to the bathtub and now I'm laying in the fucking tub and like shit started and I'm starting to shiver and my legs are gurgling and I got a towel and I put the towel on my legs and I'm like, okay, like I'm going to be okay. Like I'm stopping the bleeding, you know, like telling myself this. And like, that's when my first roommate came in immediately had this fucking panic attack, you know, not the guy that set it up. He had a panic, panic attack. My next roommate, Steven Orpeza came in. He played, uh, college uh, football he's playing for the JC he's like we got to call 911 I'm like dude whatever you fucking do do not call 911 do not call the cops like we're okay and he's like no dude you're fucking really not okay and then I'm like take me to the fucking hospital then like at that point we sat there for like a little minute and I'm like you know like this towel is just like very heavy and like blood's thick the, the tub had fulled up like started to like it, it got this like goopy and it was like filling I was losing a lot of blood you know and like I lost my vision at that point shit was getting really fucking heavy like I felt like bricks were getting stacked on me and I was just like dude take me to the fucking hospital like take me to the hospital right now they drove me to the hospital dude that's insane people don't realize um the industry 19 bro that we came from 19 I would dude that house I'd lived in that house for fucking one week it was the first house I ever had dude before that I was living in um some friend's backyard in a tent which like people like oh dude that sounds so bum like it was amazing I'm 19 years old I just got to fucking Santa Rosa like place is gorgeous you know I come from the woods all this shit's happening I didn't have a place to live these girls that I uh went to pre-kindergarten all the way to high school had fucking this house in Santa Rosa uh east side Santa Rosa really nice place and I'm like dude girls like can I put a tent in the backyard and like pay rent for like 200 bucks a month for like three months until I find a place to stay and they're like of course Lance like yeah you're more than welcome and Bro, I'm back there in my tent. You know, I got my fucking queen-size inflatable bed, my TV extension cord, selling weed, hanging out with them, smoking. Like, life was amazing. Bro, I was on top of the world. When that situation happened and, like, I got shot and you know, I'm, I'm really young. Like, I felt like after that, like the day, like, I was in the hospital for a while, you know? And like once I got out of the hospital, it was a very, very dark point like in my life. Like when that shit happens and, and you're in a hospital for all these days and you're, you're arrested in the hospital and, and you're on fucking drugs and they're showing you facts lineups and, and you're, you're supposed to try to track down these people that fucking shot you and your, your family's so fucking disappointed in you. And you're embarrassed, so fucking embarrassed. Like, dude, the shit that we had to live with, like, fuck all this other stuff. Like, the sense of, at least me, like, the, the sense of embarrassment for some reason that I carried through my whole life because, like, I was a cannabis grower and didn't want anyone to fucking know and, and you know, people would be ashamed or you're a drug dealer or you're this and everybody would look at you differently and... Dude, I, I, I carried this, even though like that was my life, like this public perception of great shame. 
you know, and then when shit happens, it's very, very, very shameful, you know, at that point. And that was very, very shameful for me. And, and when I got out of the hospital, I was in a wheelchair and I remember like I left the hospital and took a fucking taxi to see these girls. Like that's all I wanted to see. Like I'll never forget how like just fucking gutted I felt until that moment where I was like, I'm going to go see the girls. And like, it's the first time since this moment happened where like, I felt like that love and that light, like in my chest and, and just could take a breather from the hell that I was in, you know? And I fucking took a taxi there and I'd never been in a fucking wheelchair and everything's fucking awkward. Do you think it was more the heaviness of what you're going through mentally was more because of the strain and what you're putting other people through. I mean, dude, it's everything. Like it, it, it's unfortunate. Like how, when certain things happen, like, because at the time you, you lost the pounds, the, the, I got got, fresh charged. Yeah. I got charges. You got, you got charges. You lost your boys pounds. I'm a disgrace, like embarrassment to my family. My dad's like, I don't want my fucking younger son around you. Yeah. You know, you're, 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 and he like idolized me. Like, you know, you're, it was, it was tough, you know? And I think like, it was more of just you le- letting other people down. Well, dude, that, and but that, like, that's the hardest part. But I'm part. fucking, I'm fucked. Yeah. Bro, like my legs don't work. I don't even know how long this is going to take or what I'm going to go through or like, who, does this ever get normal? Like, dude, my life is completely changed. And it's just like a lot, you know, like it's a lot of shit. Like, dude, facing a case is hard shit, like on its own, adding everything else. And so I remember getting out of the fucking taxi, the taxi leaves, my heart's racing. I wheel up to the door. I ring the fucking doorbell. And one of the girls like opens the door. And like, you know, I'm like, I'm not even going to mention any names, but I, I like put my hands out like, like, fuck. Oh my God. It's so good to see you. Like give like this. And like the, the door didn't open. The screen just stayed shut. And I'm like, open the door, you know, like tr- kind of like trembling and, and excited. My heart's pounding. And, and she was just like, you can't be here. And I was like, what? She's like, because of your situation and, and what's, what's happened. And, and it's just, we, we've just decided like th- this isn't a place where you can come. You can't, you can't be here and fucking close the door on me. Damn. That's heavy. And that was like, dude, when that happened, like it felt like the fucking, the earth below me just fucking fell out. And I, I just fell there. Like, dude, I just sat there in that chair, like just staring at their door for probably like an hour. I don't even like, I don't remember. I was just like, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to go. Little did I know, like behind the scenes, someone started like a thing where they're like, dude, everybody stay the fuck away from Lance. Don't talk to him. My roommate, Warren, who 
set this fucking deal up was in that house, like had gotten there first and, you know, the like girl's house. Yeah. Got into the girl's house and after setting you up, then goes, he didn't set it. No, like, he, no, he didn't mean to set you up. Like right. it, it, he, he connected the dots. Correct. To, for that situation to happen. Correct. But even after that, he didn't have your back. No, he got arrested. I bailed him out. My family bailed him out of jail. But bro, like you can't, like, I don't fucking hold things against people. Like, I couldn't imagine what he was going through. He just moved to fucking, I just moved him to California. This shit happened. Like, fuck it. I get it. Like, every man for himself. Like, some people are going to have that fucking mindset. Like, again, you know, like, as long as I know who you are and, like, you show me your true intentions, like, we're fucking cool. Whatever side you pick. But you're fucking dead to me. As soon as anything like that happens in life you realize who your real friends are yeah because everybody else scatters can i get some more ice thank you so that was just like a real heavy heavy time and like fucking only place i could go was that house like i didn't have anywhere else to go thank you so much so dude that was hard (laughs) Like, I just got out of the fucking hospital. Like, I go back to the house that I was shot in. You know, they'd done their best to clean it up, like the parents and family. And I'm trying to remember, like, why I didn't go home. You know, maybe it was just because of, I, I can't quite remember. Thank you. I can't quite remember, but might have been something with my brother Owen and, you know, my, but man, those fucking nights sleeping in that house on, on a fucking air mattress downstairs with my legs all fucking destroyed was like fucking insane. Like the most vivid fucking dreams, like waking up and I'm like, fuck dude, dude, he's in the house, you know, and laying there and dude, when you're little, so fucking weird when you're little, you're like, dude, if you just fucking lay here under the cover, the monster's going to go away. Like same shit fucking when you're old, dude, I'm just laying there. I'm like, dude, this isn't fucking real. He's not here. Like, you know, and I can't like just, I can't get up. I'm fucking on the mattress. Like it's an ordeal for me to get up. I've never done anything like this. I've never been in a wheelchair. I've never had any of that experience in my fucking life, dude. You know, like just going to the bathroom is, is incredible chore was there anybody there to help you the out? strength of like trying to get yourself in like you just you're not aware of anything you know what i mean like yeah was there was there somebody there that that was there to help you out i remember like my parents were there like you know like for these split kind of parts of it you know what i'm saying but um no one was like staying at the house with me and like i only stayed there for i think like a week and a half a week and a half and then at that point I think I came down to Long Beach for like a month and uh stayed with a friend she was really fucking cool she was like hey Lance like come down here stay at my apartment she was going to um Long Beach University she's like I think this will be a good change for you I'm around a lot of fucking people like you're not going to get judged down here you know like there's everybody your age. Like, I just think it'd be really good for me. And it was really fucking good for me. Yeah. Get out of uh, the small town. It was really good for me. Yeah. 
So at that point, um, my legs still were like healing, you know, and this had just happened. Like I couldn't, I had like, like they couldn't like fucking cast my leg. Like they were just leaving my leg. I was on like, I didn't, I couldn't handle the wheelchair. I didn't do very well. Did they get the bullets out? No, nothing was removed at this point. So you have seven bullets, seven slugs in your hand. Six. Six. They removed one later down the line. They removed the one in my kneecap. So what, what happened with the cast? I couldn't get the leg casted because I had all these open wounds and like the way a, a, a bullet wound has to heal is like from the inside out, you know? And so these wounds for like two fucking months just like pussed and oozed and bled all fucking day long. Like it smelled like a corpse. So like I was super embarrassed about that. Like who wouldn't be? you know, super fucking embarrassed. And Robin was like, hella cool. She's like, dude, don't sweat it. Like that's fucking badass. Like you're fucking Lance, like you're an animal, bro. Like this. And I was like, no, like I'm fucking ashamed of this. Like this is fucking disgusting. Like it was disgusting, bro. Like, like just like on people put those bullet stickers. That's what my leg looked like scabbing around and just liquid yellow and fucking the nastiest mucus and blood just like leaking out of it and just terrible smell so i'm like spraying my legs down with like axe body spray and shit just to like try to hide the scent i was very aware of it you know i'd have to go change these bandages fuck dude eight times a day you know unwrap throw away i would dude i would take my trash with me everywhere i went because i was so fucking just ashamed of like myself you know and, and everything but she just was instrumental um, in fucking, you know, like being there for me and, and helping me through that time. And um, then at that time, uh, it was time for me to like finally like get my leg casted. You know, I'm, I think I'm, I'm going on like the end of like month two at this point. And you're still, you, you, were you down in SoCal? I was or- ready to leave Long Beach. You know what I mean? Like, it just wasn't for me. You know, they're partying every night and there's people everywhere and let's go to this party and that party. And, you know, I'm going through this traumatic situation where like I'm on fucking crutches and everybody was so nice, dude. Like everybody coming up and talking like, dude, I was in this amazing college atmosphere that I never experienced, you know, and, but it was just too much for me, you know, like, like it, it got to the point where I was like, okay, like I need to get out of here. Like there's too many people people stay up too late, people go too hard, you know, like, I just needed to get out of that, and so I decided that I was going to go, um, back to Santa Rosa, dude, just, everything's just so crazy how things have worked in my life, like, I went back to Santa Rosa, I'm in this fucking cast, I got nowhere to live, I'm staying, like, at people's houses, and I went into this, this fucking used car place, (laughs) drug my ass in there on my crutches, total fucking hardened casted leg and there was this girl there Katrina it was like her first day she just graduated high school she's like 18 it's her dad's business and like I go in and she was like fucking beautiful beautiful girl and like dude I just hit it off with people you know what I'm saying yeah. like we just start talking and this and that and like like we just hit it off like me and her and she was hella fucking cool and we were like vibing and we were friends and then like the next thing you know we're hanging out for a week and not like any kind of dating or like romantics or 
any kind of situation like that, just like fucking friends, you know, like, like it was very instrumental at these, these times that I have like real people, like real people in my life and like women as much as they didn't show up, showed up, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, my, my stepmom, my mom, um, Robin, Katrina, Katrina, who I'm still friends today. I introduced her to her, you know, she met her husband because of like me and just cool shit. But she was like, let's get a place together. And I was like, oh, fuck, dude. Yes, please. I got nowhere to live. Like, dude, could you imagine how like her family was? Like this fucking dude comes in to buy a car. Just been shot. He's been shot in a drug deal. You're fucking beautiful, like tailored, like 18 year old daughter who's like done everything right. Straight A's perfect family girls like i want to move in with this guy and they're just like what the fuck you know and like i can't blame them like dude i'm like terrible candidate on paper terrible you know and dude against all fucking all judgment everything she got a place with me and from that point when i got that place you know like i went back to the first of all the cast had to go uncomfortable, awkward, can't put pants on, fuck this cast. Dude, I just lived like three months without the fucking cast. Why do I need the cast on? So like I took a fucking grinder wheel and a grinder and cut the fucking cast off my leg. And I was like, okay, like we got this. Like I'm aware of it. Like, you know, life can go back to like, I cut that off because like I wanted life to go back to normal. Like for me, it had to be normal. And like this cast was holding me back. You know what I'm saying? And like, I was out of the cast for months. Fuck the cast. Like, I'm going to do this my way. We're going to be good. Everything's fine. Fucking cut the cast off. The next day, went back to the body shop, marched all the way up to the stairs to the owner's office, sat down, like, right in front of him. Like, I could see, like, out of the corner of my eye, there's, like, a press Democrat there, and, like, I'm on the fucking cover and shooting and all this shit, and I was just like, Jim, I need my fucking job back. And he was like, well, uh, you know, I remember him kind of like, like looking under the table and shit. And I'm like, dude, I'm good. Like you won't notice a difference. My leg's fine. He's like, how can your fucking leg be fine? I'm like, dude, just like, just fucking, I need my job back. Like, I need you to give me this job back. I'll be here tomorrow morning at six 30. Like I was a hard worker. You know what I mean? Like did really good. Great with customers. Like, you know, took pride in my shit. And I'm like, dude, just. And he's like, what, you know, and I'm like, I need the fucking job, dude. You don't understand. Like, you have to give me this fucking job. And he's like, all right, be here tomorrow morning. That's and awesome. like, dude, I had to go to like the bathroom every like six hours and deal with my fucking leg. And dude, in the beginning, I just fucking ate, ate uh, ace bandaged uh, bamboo steaks, like just with whatever bracing. Like I thought, cause like when you fucking wrap your shit hard enough and like ace bandage it, like pulls it all together you know and so like i went and got the fucking I'd, I'd wrap it like pad it so i wouldn't feel them and then i'd fucking wrap the bamboo sticks like to my knee and then wrap them on my fucking tip down my tibula and had my pants on and, and fucking went to work that way so i could bend my knee went into the bathroom all the time sneaky dressed my wounds took everything back to my car axe body spray and fucking went on with my life dude you're a fucking savage Respect. and the whole time I'm thinking like, dude, I gotta like, it had no effect on my weed grind. Only like more, like more now than ever. I remember being in the wheelchair and being like, fuck, I gotta get a bag. Like I gotta do shit that I only knew how to do certain things. You know, like I gotta get the bag. I gotta start selling. 
oh man, I don't know who's going to buy from me, but like, I got to get this fucking thing moving again. You know, how long did it take after, you know, the shooting, the, the, you know, the, the, the police situation to kind of get your name back so you could start dealing with people again? I don't think like my name like ever really came back. It just like, it just almost kind of gets forgotten about. Well, you know well I think you kind of have to earn your stripes. It was back. different. It was different back then because like I was such a petty little dude, just like I wasn't selling like tens of thousands of eights. You know, I had my $7 an hour job. I'd sell like, you know, four bags after work. It yeah. was slow. Yep. But after that, I realized, okay, like to make this dream happen, I got to get this fucking house. I got to start making money. My car audio career kind of started like I just got into car audio, but like my next three years was selling weed car audio and like straight fucking mission, whatever it takes, get a house, start growing. So for three years, all I could think about was getting a house, getting a house, homes and land every day, fantasizing, looking at these houses. My vision board had fucking houses pinned up to it. You know, I'd go to open houses on Sunday and walk through and they're like, uh, you know, who's your agent? Like, what are you doing here? I'm like, it's a fucking open house, bitch. I'm shopping. They're like shopping for what, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, you're a straggler, year old kid walking straggler looking, I had my like skate shoes on, you know, like what was it back then? Etnies, the big blown out tongues and yep. fat shoes. Yeah. Everyone rock those. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's what I used to rock. How was the, how was it with your family? Your, your mom and your dad, did they grow growing up as a kid? Yeah. So, um, yeah, but secretive, you know what I'm saying? Like the, the first memories I have of, of my dad growing was not like him sharing or ever knowing that he smoked or anything like that. Like, dude, I remember I was like way cutthroat about this shit. Remember like I was telling you earlier, like if someone's like, man, dude, do you grow? The fuck did you say? Do I grow? Like, dude, I had that same mentality. Like that's just me. Right. And I'll never forget it. I was a freshman and like, I'm in line. I just paid my 40 cents for my fucking commod meal. You know, you get your, yeah. you know, I wasn't free lunch, you know, we didn't quite qualify for free. So I paid like 40 cents, you know, and we're in the school line, you know, and I remember just fucking out of nowhere, this chick in my class, Ayuda was like, Lance's dad has the bombest weed. And like, dude, I heard that in line and like this fucking switch flipped. Like you, you fucking bitch. What did you just say? And like, I had no idea, like my dad grew and long story short, like my dad used to sell to these family friends, the Howells and like, they would let the kids just smoke all fucking day. And like, even at that age, I was like, no, nah, like I'm good on smoking, you know, like I don't want, but they would just be getting ripped and high and she's all dude. And I remember just like fucking getting out of line and like going up and like in her face where we were like nose to nose. And I'm like, you better shut your fucking mouth and never open it again. My dad does not grow weed and like walk back in line. So like, I had no idea really, you know, like, and to me, even if like I had this, you know, inclination at that point, like, fuck no, taking it to the grave without being told that. When did you find out that, did your mom grow too? Well, at this point, my mom wasn't like in the picture. She had, she was living in Montana. So like, she wasn't a part of this. When did your dad bring you in and and never did? Never. No. He never brought me in. I did it on my own. 
all those years you the never... first time i found like it's weird but like i i remember finding his plants one time when i was in middle school you know and like just out in the like cut. so like in mendo and like these dry hillsides and shit there's a lot of of you know brush and trees and manzanita and so back mm. then they used to fucking grow their plants in the trees like up in the trees or they'd have it like hidden throughout the manzanitas and like Dude, a small plot like the size of like this is big back then. Like the helicopters and Mendo are looking for something this small. Like it's crazy. You know what I mean? Like they see a plant, they're coming, you know? So he had strategically had these little fucking plants. And I remember this Mexican kid in class, Junior, was like, man, do I need to get some weed? And and like showed me a picture of it. And I'm like, a leaf, you know, because we didn't know to smoke buds and shit. And I'm like... I've got those at the bottom of my property. I'm like, yo, bro, I'll bring you one. And I remember like getting up early and like sneaking to the bottom of our property and busting this five finger leaf off, put it in my RL Stein book, took it to school and sold yeah. it to him. That's awesome. But nothing after that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. nothing transpired from that. I didn't think anything of the plants, never went back there, never was interested in smoking them. But the whole time, like my little brother, dude, this dude's like, clipping nugs hanging them smoking in fucking paper like taking binder paper and rolling like buds around it scotch taping it chiefing behind the shop like fucking savage dude my little brother (laughs) is savage uh describe the moment that you came up with the craft store and then also the whip kits so i felt that um when i was in calaveras i was red tail farms like that was my thing on Instagram. I think it was Redtail underscore Farms. Private, quiet, didn't do stories, rarely posted, scared. You know, I was I was busted by the feds on like another thing just like a couple years prior or something like that. And like as these events happen and things happen, like you take a lot of shit with you. So I was like very, very scared for my fucking freedom and 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 convinced that they were watching me and and a lot of weird shit happened through the time I got busted and them fucking with me and coming to my house while I'm on probation and pretending they're putting cameras and mics in my house and just like they a lot of times like over and over and over just like fucking with my head and and reprogramming my mind and fucking with my wires and shit and making me believe things that weren't happening and this stuff what did you ask me I'm sorry uh, oh, Craft Farmer. Yeah, when did you so, come up with Craft Farmer and the Whip Kits? Dude, I fucking build this amazing site in Calaveras. Fucking greenhouses, mixed light greenhouse. When you look at the way I build shit, every fucking thing is pristine. Everything is craft. Like, I think of every little fucking thing. Like, when you walk me into someone's facility and, 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 we're look, dude, I look at every fucking wire. I look at all the zip ties. I look at anything. And like these little things are like, don't have anything to do with like the way the flowers, but like coming up in car audio and shit, I'm very like perfectionist. Dude, and I stayed up with headlamps like till 3 a.m. every fucking day working on that farm, doing shit in the greenhouse, wiring. I wired that fucking thing myself, hung all those lights like did my own control system, built the other greenhouses, like every fucking thing, like every bulb would have to be adjusted and bent so it hung in a straight line. Like I built this super fucking pristine place up there, put everything I had into it, 
and then they fucking banned it. And I'm just like, everything I had, I invested into that, you know? And I'm just like, fuck, dude, like, fuck this. I'm going back to where it fucking came from. And like, people don't understand, like, I'm not from a city. Like, where I come from, like, it's very hard. Like, you're growing in a garage, and you're only getting other garages from people. I'm in Sonoma County wine country. Dude, commercial space is extremely expensive. We're not like Oakland where you can get cheap-ass fucking buildings and blow them up and all this shit. So, like, wherever you are in your tiny little territory is all you have access to. Like, I never had access to bigger shit until I created it. You know what I'm saying? And so I put everything into this, everything I had, like all the work I did myself. And like, when they pulled the plug, I'm like, I'm, I got to go back to what I know. I'm not doing this again. I just lost my whole fucking property. Like I can't be red tail farms. Like I can't be on Instagram and show anything like I was legal than illegal. And so like I changed that my, was the Calaveras. I was, I was in Calaveras. So yeah, I changed I my, that. I changed my name to craft farmer at that point. Cause like at that point too, like everything I do is fucking craft. Like, my attitude is craft. My fucking mindset is craft. My fucking expectations are craft. Anything I'm doing with you is going to be like this fucking specific way. It's going to be consistent. Everything I do is fucking craft and nice and right. You know what I'm saying? And like I was doing ferments at the time, making all my own ferments out of scraps and vegetable, like a, a, a spin on Korean natural farming and like I thought I was the most craft motherfucker there was, you know? And so I was like, man, I'm going to be craft farmer. And at that point I'm vending like hundreds of pounds to mercy wellness, you know, like the way that relationship happened was like amazing in its own thing. Cause like, I'm a fucking grower. I'm a vendor. You like, I don't have a team on the Hill where I can just go around. So like when I came to see my wife on weekends, I would try to hustle packs. And it's like, dude, if you didn't sell anything by then, bro, like it's back to the ranch. Like you can't sell anything on the Hill, you know? And so randomly one night I had stopped by fucking mercy at like eight 30. I hit up Brandon randomly. I'm like, bro, are are you here? And he's like, yeah, I'm in my office. I was like, I've got some packs on me. Should I stop by? He's like, yeah. And go into his office. He looks at my weed. He's like, fuck dude, this is some fucking fire indoor. This looks amazing. And I'm like, no, that's my mixed light. And he's like, holy shit. Like it wasn't even it was just turning into it. Uh, two seventeen had like just happened, right? There's like this transition from two fifteen to sixty four. Yeah. And two thousand seventeen was right in this transaction. Like yep. people weren't just blowing up mixed light. It might have been like the first mixed light they saw, and my shit looked like fucking ends. And they're like, "Dude, we want this." And I'm like, "Oh fuck, cool!" Like this five pounds. And he's like, "I hope you have more than this." And I'm like, "Well, I got like seventies. Like I'll cash you out on all of them." And I was like, don't go anywhere. Like, you know us, like, yeah. dude, rule number one, bro, when it comes to sales, you get the money when the money's available. I'm not waiting till tomorrow for some other fucking dude to come slide through and you buy all his packs and then I arrive and like, you can't. Bro, when I, when I sell weed, like when I used to, and like I'd sit down at a table and everybody's got their packs there and shit, like... My fucking weed's getting sold. Like, I'm in your ear as you're opening it. I'm like, God damn, look at that shit. Like, that's better than these other fucking dudes at the table. And like, dude, I was, I, I put it on thick. You know what I mean? So he's like, I'll buy these. I'm like, wait, let me go get them all right now. When I got them, handed me a box of money. 
I'm like, look, dude, I got one thing I want to do. And he's like, okay, what? I'm like, look, everything in your fucking dispensary has your name on it. I'm going to give you a 520 gram pound for the same cost that we just agreed upon on a regular pound. And I want every fucking one of my packages to have four grams in it for $35 an eighth on the shelf. And he's like, no problem. That's fucking genius. And you put your name on it? Redtail Farms. And I sold hundreds of pounds. Just by that extra half gram. Dude. Not only that, but, but like thirty-five dollars in two thousand fucking sixteen. Yeah, thirty-five dollars for four grams. Yeah, shitting on other indoor like around it. Like my philosophy too, bro. Like since day one, bro. Call me the fucking bottom feeder or the guppy or whatever the fuck you want. The fucking river fish. Like my packs sold for less. Like even dating back to like when I first started and had my fucking warehouse and before I got federally rated. All these fucking broke boys want to complain about selling packs for $2,000 for $1,500. My shit was already priced that way because I didn't want to meet people and I didn't want to deal with shit and I wanted my shit silent and I just needed my shit to move the moment I make a phone call and say it's done. So all my shit sold for hundreds of dollars cheaper than anyone. anyone. And I built my entire fucking life on being the dude at the fucking bottom through hard work, determination... I don't give a fuck if it says Lance on it, Craft Farmer, my logo. Oh, you want it? You need me to grow for you? No fucking problem. Cut the motherfucking check. This is why people love you, bro. It's exactly it, dude. You speak it like it is. And so many people are caught up like, oh, dude, I need a brand and I need this and this whole bag fucking thing. Yeah. Man, fuck all that. If you grow fire, bro, and, and you stand out, motherfucker, you're going to survive. With the market... In the end of 2017, beginning of 2018, we saw this downturn, right? Yeah. Now we're seeing a, a downturn right now. I remember selling fire packs in 2017 for like 1400 bucks. Yeah. It was like the end of 2017 because the beginning of 2017 was cool, but you had that, you know, the October flood that flows into November and then you're not even moving weed. Good luck selling Thanksgiving. Your, your depths back Thanks, then at like 800. Oh yeah, tough. Thanksgiving, you're fucked, you know? December, so, January, yeah. February. Like I remember being like, okay, this is gonna end, right? Like Christmas is over. No. Okay, New Year's is in over. In 2018, it, it just kept going. For sure. It started in October and it kept going all the way until like the beginning or the middle of 2019. For sure. You know? Um, we're seeing a, a bit of a downturn right now. You think it's worse than 2018 or about the same? I mean, it's definitely worse because worse. Yeah. way worse. It can't, they can't be compared. Like the way I look at it, like 2017 was this terrible wildfire, right? Now we could technically be talking about like a prehistoric extinction, it's a much different conversation. So you're thinking that this could be a... I don't think I'm thinking. Like, we're seeing all the fucking, you know, a lot of them, like they call them like, you know, the the, the heritage growers and, and the homesteaders and everybody in, in fucking Humboldt and Mendo, all these, all these places that got licensed where they got like some garden beds and flowers and they do, you know... Mendo perps and they got all their their homemade strains that they've made over the years like the real real ganja growers you know like and I, I, I 
I mean, no shade on this, but like breeders and different companies and shit. You see like mass produced shit in, in Central Valley and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of seeds and strains and all this shit. Like if you just follow the history, it goes back to these very unique people who risked their freedom because they believed in this plant and their homestead and their family lived off that. And, and they weren't like, doing any amazing shit or had some special house or car, like they barely got by. And like these people, a lot of them rolled in and were barely still getting by. Cause they're like being able to do shit under the table. And like, it's just gotten much, much, much worse. The industry's not supporting this kind of flower. Very few of them are, are doing okay, you know, and, and we're watching, we're watching people die off, you know, and, and like, parts of this industry becoming heading towards extinction Yeah, is where I'm going with this. And like, I don't like it. And like, I don't, I don't think it's right. And I don't think it's fucking fair, but like, what can you do about it? You know, like the world is ran on fucking corporations. There's barely mom and pop shit. They're like fucking just sprinkled sporadically. But like every fucking, you drive down the freeway here, like, business after business like corporations like what defines a company as that like that's what our entire fucking world is based on shame on us for thinking like every little fucking person was gonna get passed through and and gonna make it and and stand with these fucking behemoths do you feel it'll bounce back no on pricing fuck no you think the price how how low do you think the pricing will get I mean, it's like fucking, it's, it's like outdoor is terrible. Outdoor is like $200 a pound. You can't give it away. Like a month ago, dude, this fucking dude was like all land, like for, to a group of people. Like I just overheard it. All land, a semi truck, where you want it on the arm, thousand pounds. Just tell me where to fucking, where you want this thing to be dropped. And people are like, don't want that. You know what I'm saying? Like nobody yeah. wants that shit. My buddy George, Shaman Extracts, people are hitting him up, be like, dude, we'll bring you thousands of pounds of fresh frozen. He's dude, he said vans were showing up just like to dump shit off. And he's like, What the fuck is this? And like, I never authorized this. Like, send this back. No, 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 just keep it. You can have it. Like, that's fucking insane. Like, we're we're watching shit die on the vine. Like, fuck no, it's not gonna get better. Yeah, the difference between two thousand eighteen and the current present time is that we were still able to move weight for sure in 2018 for sure this is the first time that we've actually seen weight just sitting there for sure and i think that's that's the major differences no because like you got more and more people coming online more companies coming online you ever watch fucking Shark Tank and someone comes in with a great cracker idea or a fucking drink and they're all like, ooh, this tastes good. No one wants the fucking deal because they're like, how are you going to get the shelf space? It's no different difference to us, you know? And then like when you get the shelf space, like, dude, if you're not like somehow have a following where like people are going to support you and shit, like, dude, even if you only had like fucking 100 lights, <laughs> selling that many bags every fucking you know, 60 days, like, dude, it's tough. And then if you want help, they're going to tax the fuck out of you. Help with packaging, help with distro, 
bro, I tried doing all that shit myself when I moved my little packs to fucking Jungle Boys and Ivan threw me a fucking bone and dude, by the gave me a great number and like when I got it back, like I'm like looking at it, I'm like, Jesus Christ, like fucking not from them, nothing that Jungle Boys did, like all the other fees were just like just <laughs> depleted my little bit of profit and I'm like, okay, this is not the move for me personally. How did that happen? How did you start working with Ivan? Um, I mean, I'm like just everyone else fucking love the jungle boys. You know what I mean? Like I'm older. So knowledge was, was very, you know, hard for us to find. And back then it was only forum and I was too nervous to like post and too scared to post. And dude, Ivan was just like, Dude, I remember like watching him and being so fucking inspired, you know, and me with hundreds of people like you hear all kinds of just the most amazing people talk about fucking Ivan, you know, and like when I obviously there's a team to all that and shit like that. But like, I don't I don't know a lot of those guys, but Jungle Boys as a whole, you know, like I think of their leader, Ivan, you know, and just like, dude, he did everything like anything there was to try to do. He did he shared the information. You know me, I'm extremely passionate about fucking knowledge and sharing and teaching people. A lot of people aren't. They don't want fucking no one to know anything and don't feel like it was earned and all this shit. And dude, he's been like super open and extremely inspiring like over the years, just like watching what he's done and in his artwork and his packaging and just like everything they do is on a whole fucking new level and who he's inspired. I mean... I think you can almost name like everybody in our entire industry and like all the, the big people and like instrumental in inspiring everyone instrumental in, in doing it first just, and then on top of that, having the burden of fighting just the longest never ending fucking battle you could imagine. You know what I mean? Like just fucking war torn shield, broken down blades broken blood all over the fucking place you're in a a fucking battle where there's just like thousands of dead carcasses all around you and they just keep coming over the hill and like at like not to fall on your sword and just be exhausted and just continue to take fucking throats and like we've just seen that like look what happened to them still to this day like unexplainable fucking bullshit and like Remember like earlier in this conversation, like I just felt like sometimes like I've had to carry the, the, just the bearer of being able to handle terrible shit that happens in this industry. And I feel like, you know, Ivan's a really good fucking person and, and he's super solid and he's had to carry this burden that he doesn't deserve. He's just one of the ones that can carry that fucking burden and is strong enough too. So the grow gods have bestowed that terrible fucking task upon him you know what I mean <laughs> yeah and so like I've just always followed them and liked them and um everybody was like at that point talking about how dude nobody can get flour on the shelf and it's impossible and like this fuck the system and dude yeah okay like all that's fucking true whoop de do it's always been true but like I'm tired of hearing it you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm tired of seeing the same shit again and again. So I was dead set on, you know what? I'm going to put my own fucking flower out. I'm going to put flower that I grew. I'm going to fucking buy it back. I'm going to select it. I'm going to fucking hand trim it. I'm going to design my bags. 
I'm going to get it packaged. I'm going to make the fucking sale. I'm going to do all this to prove to myself that it can be done and prove to everyone else there that you can do it. You know what I'm saying? Like I was hearing enough and enough and enough, like how nothing's possible and all this. And so grew out a fucking bag seed that was gifted to me. First time, like ever kind of, you know, doing something like that. It was a fucking banger. And, um, I had already had this in place, but not knowing like where it was going to get sold to, like we're coming up on like getting it fucking trimmed and shit like that. And, you know, I was like, man, like I got to find, you know, someone to sell this to and telling my wife this shit. And she's like, man, do you should, bro, you're always talking about like the fucking jungle boys and you're always looking at their shit and like, you should reach out to them. And I'm like, just what a stupid ass idea. <laughs> you know, like, like dude, me and my wife have like this dying, like dude for the shit. I mean, all women put up with shit, but like, you know, like I'm a fucking extremist dude. And it's like, yeah. Hey honey, the feds are raiding us, you know, hide all your guns, you know, like just the, the, the burden I've put on, I've put on her over the years. Like, like, okay, like, this is what my fucking life's going to be. Like, I'm always forever, like, kind of fucked because this is my man. And he's like a fucking extremist. And he's just doing shit that, like, fucking ruins families. Yeah, you got a solid chick. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so, like, I'm like, dude, Sarah, like, I don't need your shit right now. Like, I'm too fucking busy, like, with other shit. Dude, she's, like, right, like, 99.9% of the time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, fucking hate having to hear I told you so like she should just record that and have it on repeat bro (laughs) and so randomly I go to like my little fucking garden you know and I'm doing things and and I remember I smoked some weed and I went back uh to the to the facility and like people think like I'm just like this like in front of cameras and shit like I'm like this 24 fucking 7 all the time like just fucking let's fucking go and and fucking Viking burial and, and sword fighting and, and fucking fight to the death kind of yeah, shit, you know? And I fucking go there and it's like, you know, it's the afternoon and the place is empty and I fucking open that door and like, I'm just, I, I close the door and I'm just like, Jesus fucking Christ. I'm the fucking man. Like I'm looking at that canopy and just being like, you're the fucking man, dude. Like, <laughs> like this is fucking incredible. Like where you, and like, this was every day though. Like every morning I came in throughout the day, afternoons, like my videos always shared that, you know, like, holy shit. Like my shit's pristine, you know, and just can't fucking believe I'm here right now and can't, it never set in, which is amazing. Like still to this day, you know, I'm driving around. I'm like, dude, I can't fucking believe like I'm, I'm, I'm partners with Athena and like, you know, like I fuck with legends and, and the people that I believe are in the hall of fame. And, and I'm just like, dude, you're the fucking man. You're a bitch forever fucking thinking you can't call like, fuck dude, reach out you pussy, you know? And so like right in that moment, you know, like I sent him a DM and I was like, yo, what's up, Ivan? Not like you know who I am or anything. I'm this little cultivator up in Northern California. I run this facility. I'm doing my own drop. I grew this flower out. Here's some videos of it. Picture. You guys think you're interested in buying a couple bags or, you know, putting it in any of the stores, you know, just something like that. And so like I go home and just like on the couch and shit. And I look at my fucking phone and dude, there's like a message from jungle boys, like within two hours. 
you know? And you don't even think, like, your message will even get to them, you know? And he fucking clicked, you know, read the message and was like, yeah, bro, we know who you are. We fuck with you. Like, I'll take all of it. And, like, I read that, dude, and I lost it. Like, I blew up off the couch and, like, you know when, like, bad shit happens to you and, like, I always need to react and, and, like, fucking going to defense i'm like off the couch doing the juke because i didn't know like which way to go you know like yeah. and like sarah's like oh my god are they coming here and she's like screaming and and i'm like oh, 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 like jumping up and down in the fucking living room and and she's like use your fucking words like she's grabbing paper files and shit and i'm like jungle boys responded you know and she's like you fucking asshole i thought we were getting raided like she was in full raid mode you know like oh, so i packed bags and shit you know like by the door like i'm got shit instilled in me to run you know what i'm saying like i've ran before like i've gotten away you know and so dude he just said that and i was just like i didn't even like oh my god like this is insane. I'm just like looking at this message and I didn't know how to respond. And he just fucking, he said, send me your personal number. And I texted him and I didn't want to say anything to him or like bother him, you know, or just do anything like that. And then like the next day at like three o'clock, he texted me and Nate and was like, Hey Nate, this is Lance. Buy all the flour that he has arrange pickup. Like dude, just like that. And, and, um, I talked to him for like a minute on the f the phone and I was just like, look, dude, I know you don't know who I am, but I'm fucking different than anyone you have in your life and anyone you fucking know. And we didn't even work together. Like I was no part of Athena or yeah. didn't push Athena or anything. You know what I'm saying? I was like total nobody to him, you know, no correlation for us, no nothing. And I was just like, look, man, I don't know what the future future holds, but I always get what I want and like I know at some point I don't know what it'll be but like you know I hope to just work with you someday on fucking something and like I'm the dark night you've never had like if you ever fucking need me if shit's ever going down like if you're ever in battle like I will come there and fight to the death by your side and I don't think he really knew how to t take, <laughs> no. t take that you know he's like dude this dude is weird he's like who the who so the like there's just like guy? that quiet he's like right on bro <laughs> you know, yeah. like, and I was like, "Thanks, bro. I appreciate you." Yeah, I've, and I've harassed him here and there since then. You know, I'll send him like a video, kind of like I send you, like if I'm thinking about you guys or something like that. Like yeah. I do shit like that. You know, like I don't. If the afternoon comes and I'm thinking about you or thinking about somebody for whatever reason, like I let them know at this point. Yeah, I know? think one of Ivan's strengths is seeing talent and recognizing it. You know, I remember Dude, my the roach stories fucking insane and just, yeah. just you and, and sorry to cut you off. No, I remember when, uh, I had my hydroponic store and I was with my wife and all I would do is come home and be like, I'm going to get the jungle boy account. I'm going to sell jungle boys, hydro equipment. Watch. It got to a point after months of that, she'd start making fun of me. And walk around the house like she's jerking off and being like, oh, the Jungle Boys. <laughs> and I'd be like, fuck you. Watch yeah. me. Like, watch. Watch me get it. Watch. And so after over time after time, finally I got a meeting with Ivan. And I was like, look, dude, like, you know, he was working with a few hydro, a few hydro shops and um, gave me an opportunity to work with them. And I started selling hydro equipment. 
And from then on, like, I think through that time he was kind of filling out, well, I was earning my stripes on customer service, you know, honesty, support. And I had a few lighting companies before that I had opened and started manufacturing lights overseas and designing lights. And there's this, this light design that, that, that I found on a reflector and went down to his office when he was at 58th street and, um, got a meeting with him and we pitched him, I pitched him Lux and, uh, we went 50, 50 and that was it. And Fucking incredible. Crazy. Insane. Yeah. Super crazy. Like I said, at the beginning of this conversation, like, what you've done in this fucking space is fucking phenomenal. Thanks, man. It's a unicorn. Yeah. Like, there's shit that happens one fucking time, never, never again. And, like, what you've done, even before that, like, that hustle and air conditioning and fucking being in the, like, literally being in the trenches your whole life, you know, like, it's fucking remarkable, like, Dude, to like say you're going to start a company in such a saturated environment where like all this shit's happening and then start it and fucking build it on these principles that none of the other people have and and then to fucking sell it. And like I was a hardcore advocate for you guys just crushing it. And, you know, I feel like it was undervalued personally. Like I thought it should have been twice that fucking price range, yeah. but not here for me to say, but I was with you guys all the way. Like, that's amazing. You fucking deserve that. I hope you got, like, obviously, I think you undersold the fucking thing. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't have yeah. any hate is for the fucking weak minded and the heartless. You know, like, I have, I have no place in any of my being for hate towards fucking anybody. Appreciate you know what I'm that. saying? And like, so when we see things so fucking monumental, just crazy to witness you know and then know the people who like did it is yeah is fucking incredible what a lot of people what a lot of people don't see is bro it's is the they, best fixtures you you did the you made the best dude that's insane you didn't just bring a product fucking nuts like yeah insane that 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 de fixture is hands down the best dude you can put it side by side on a gavita and the fucking lux rooms crush harder yeah no, it all comes down to R&D at that point, you know, and you're seeing the same thing at Athena is like you walked in here and you've met two people that run R&D. Like we spend so much time and energy and effort on trials and data and testing just like we did with Lux. And that's how we, you know, we created a lot of the fixtures through that. You know, we, we created the the new veg bar spectrum. This The veg bar with Lux is astronomical difference in veg have you have you seen them or have you used them yet just seen them oh dude it's it's insane and we just did that by at jungle boys with trial and error trial and error and you know making a lot of mistakes and that's that's the thing it's like everything we did to get to this point all the mistakes we made all led up to create lux like people think oh well lux just was created you know overnight four years later you know second biggest lighting company in the industry and and it just happened right but they don't see all the lighting companies that were created before all the testing that was done before all the failures in the rooms all everything we learned about light and disbursement of light on the canopy before that to create lux was was where where it all happened 
So yeah, it was a wild ride and now we get to put all that energy and R and D into Athena. So excited about that. What are some of your personal goals moving forward now? I mean, the biggest goal in front of me right now is getting Michigan online and, and just fucking flowing and, and the facility going. Um, I'm working in Michigan on a, on a pretty badass fucking deal. All these crazy things have happened in my life just like at these certain times of possible uncertainty or these shifts and, you know, and things like that. And I had an incredible person come into my life from out in Michigan you know, and <clears throat> just more incredible, more incredible about the opportunities, just like our relationship. Like when I met this guy and like few people come in your life where like you meet them and you're like, dude, this is my brother. You know what I'm saying? Like very, very rarely, like, you know, and this person came into my life, Mark Savaya, and like, we just hit it off, you know, like on a, on a humanian, humane fucking level. And just that first time I was out there, dude, I said I would never grow in Michigan and I wouldn't do this and I do that. And like, he's like, man, Lance, I've been trying to fucking get you to work with me for a couple years and sending you messages and all this stuff. And <clears throat> I wish we would have started a year ago. And I was like, dude, not me. Like, bro, like if we would have had this conversation a year ago, I wouldn't even mentally be here and like be on the level that I'm at right now. Like it wouldn't have worked. We would have never got to know each other. Like it happened right now for a fucking very specific reason, you know? And so, dude, my goal is to fucking murder it in Michigan. Like my fucking battleship is set to arrive very, very soon. And I'm coming for fucking blood, you know? Like I'm landing in a new territory and I'm looking to fucking fight to the death. That's big. You know, the Michigan market, I've never been in a market that's had more culture. For sure. You know, I, I haven't spent a lot of time up in Mendocino in that area, and I can imagine that the culture is fucking strong. Much different culture. That's what's so amazing. It's like, you know when you go to different parts of the world and you meet different people, yeah. different cultures? Yep. Like, dude, that's what the most amazing thing to me about cannabis is, is I grew up in one very small little area and I've been there my entire fucking life. Now I'm going other places You're all over the place. and meeting other tribes. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. And like conquering new fucking land. And like when I say like going there for blood and like that's just mentality shit and like that's market share and shit yeah. like that. I'm not fucking talking about scalping fuel. people and yeah and strangling people. It's just like this is what gets me excited. Like you know cool on you for whatever gets you excited. Yeah. But like, dude, MMA fighters, like better go into the cage. Like I'm going to fuck this dude up and knock him out tonight. Dude, if you're going in there and being like, Oh dude, fuck, this guy's going to fuck me up. You've lost the battle. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm going into fucking enemy territory. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody's going to be cool with you until they're like, dude, this dude's a threat or whatever it is. But, that's what I'm most excited about because I feel like that'll that'll bring out someone in me. You know what I'm saying? Someone like almost like a, a like a, a snake losing fucking its its skin. Like I can just see it, dude. Like these rooms that I'm building 
are fucking incredible. You know what I'm, I'm saying? And I never had these opportunities in fucking California, you know? And yeah. so like, dude, I'm going there and I'm working with, with people I've wanted to work with, like the peers that I fucking look to. David Preferred Gardens is my partner on that project. Like I went and got him, you know, and I was like, look, if this does, if these people, there's two people I went to for that project. I was like, look, Mark, if these people don't do this with me, I can't do it. I'm not willing to take on this kind of situation. I need these other two people to do it. And I went to them and they're like, let's fucking do it. So that, and then obviously just education and craft farmer. Like I still want to continue to help people, inspire people. I'll always do that till the fucking day I die. Yeah. Just two weeks ago, I went out to Michigan and I remember back when I got in the industry here in Southern California, I felt like the culture was a bit different. Way back, different. Back then, you know, just felt, I just felt like I was part of a community of cultivators and we all, you know, I ran the, the counter at the hydro shop. You know, guys came in, we shared knowledge. I used to have a keg behind the counter, You'd come have a beer. Just felt like a real strong community culturally back in, you know, 2011, 12, 13, you know, coming up. And when I went to Michigan a few weeks ago, I got to hang out with all these cultivators and I felt like I was back in SoCal in 2011, you know, just felt, just felt different, you know, and it was cool. It was cool to be there and just go to dinner with all these guys and, and just feel the energy. It was, it was, uh, wasn't like everybody was trying to like, I don't know. It just felt good. You know, I really enjoyed it and, and reminded me of SoCal back quite a few years ago. And like SoCal was way different than my experience in NorCal. Like what was happening down here was not happening the same for me up there. You know, like yeah. again, we're removed from like, dude, when I went to the hydro store, nobody talked. You didn't talk to anybody in the aisles. Like it was way way different like what you guys were doing here and having a place to hang and we did not have I didn't have that I didn't see people hanging out in the hydro store up north like just different you know and so like I always wanted that you know especially yeah. at that young age where like where you, you want to interact with people and you need to have friends and you know like I've always wanted that kind of thing and like seeing Michigan like seeing how they are when I go out there and seeing how like they fucking treat me so good dude and and like it just there's there's a culture out there that's been missing for like my whole entire adult life you know like dylan mitten master is one of my best friends and i fucking he's from michigan you know what i mean yeah. like i talk to him all the time we'll talk for an hour on the phone i don't talk to nobody you know what i'm saying like i'm normally one of those weird people on the phone where like want to get in and get off you know what I'm saying? But like, I met him out there. I met him through this. Like he's one of my best friends. Yeah. Dylan's uh Dylan's a legend for, for sure. sure. Yeah. Dylan's special. Like he literally, like when I met Dylan and like hung out with him the very first time, like I felt like we were dude, long lost brothers. Like we were two clans that were like separated when we were four yep. and went on our barbaric fucking ways and, and we're grew, you know, grew up in different clans. And then like, one day like fucking met each other again in the battlefield and we're looking at each other and just something seemed 
there's like this memory, like this, this, this resurgence. Like I know yeah. this fucking person. When, uh, I was, I used to run the tech phones for Athena when it first started. Cause we were, you know, trying to get these, we're changing an industry as far as what they thought about nutrients. You know, we're usually a nutrient company would just say, Oh, add this and add that and do this and do that. And it doesn't matter. You know, so what, what we did was just kind of tailor a program. And I remember working with Dylan, you know, on how he was using it. He was using, I think, a little bit lower of an EC value on, on the pro line and, and worked with him on, on raising the EC, EC. And then he called the hotline. Yeah, he called me. That's how we that's how we met. So we met through the tech support line at Athena. And when, Dylan, to furthermore, what you're saying is like when he wants to know something. Oh, he's all in it. Yeah. He'll figure it out. He's like more he's than very similar. To, he's similar to you. But in that but on another level, like yeah. I don't go to the extent that Dylan does. No, he called me probably several times a day. You that, know? Dude, we met each other on a consultation. He paid for a consultation yeah. and we're talking about other shit. And I'm just like, I wrote this dude down. I'm like, fuck, dude, I talk to people all the time. Like there's something about this guy. Like yeah. I remember writing his name down and circling it, you know, and yeah. we were talking about dogs and everything else. But I'm like, dude, this dude is fucking smart. Like just way he articulated his words and always had a response. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to remember this name. Like this guy's special right here. Yeah. He's driven. Really driven. Extremely. Yeah. Bro. He feels like, like when I watch Dylan work, it's different. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like as if he took the oath to the fucking president, like when he came to work for Athena, like this dude works so fucking hard if you are ever at a point where like there's just so many employees and shit so big, he should be the dude that gets played on the jumbo scrawn, the jumbotron for every new employee and is like <laughs> talking about the fundamentals of Athena and what we stand for and like Yeah. No, Dylan he is gets on another it 100%. level. Another yeah. level. What what made you come to the Athena team? Because we met through Dylan. Yeah. Right? And that's why I bring it up. And now now we're working together closely on Athena. What is it about Athena that? <clears throat> well, the very first thing I planted that seed probably like a year ago, like maybe a year and a half ago now, because we've been working together for we've been working together for half a month. But I just remember thinking to myself, like, dude, these dudes are fucking making making waves. They're the hit squad. Like I, I'd think of Athena as the hit squad, you know. And I'm in the fucking bleachers. I'm a dude, like I'm, I'm a fucking home run king of my own, you know, I'm on the opposing team, yeah. I'm visiting, I'm sitting in the bleachers, you know, there's some camaraderie, you know, I know these guys and I'm fucking watching, watching their, watching the squad at bat and I'm just like, damn dude, I fucking belong on this team, like I should be batting number five, six in this lineup, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm not going to overstep myself and, but like. I see a spot for me on that fucking roster. Like, like these are my people. Dylan's on the fucking team. So I planted that seed being like, okay, I'm not going to be the guy that ever reaches out, ever calls you says like, yo, Brandon, like put me on. You don't know who the fuck I am. I'm not going to ask Dylan. I'm just, you know what? I'm just going to be organic. I'm going to let this fucking thing unfold how it unfolds. But 
that's where I'm going to end up. Like I'm going to be batting for this team and I'm going to be hitting bombs. And I was going through starting to deal with like a lot of self-sabotage shit, you know? And like, I think, I think it's a a topic that doesn't get talked about with growers a lot in, in cultivation and it happens so fast and it's so redundant. We're doing the same fucking things every single day in our life. And, and sometimes it, it, it just feels like we're stagnant. And in like in those moments of stagnation, you start doubting yourself. And then the moment you have a problem, you really doubt yourself, especially when this community holds you to a higher fucking level. And, oh man, I would, dude, I, I remember that. I remember seeing people's profiles and being like, oh my God, dude, can I grow like that? Like, that looks so sick. Like Jungle Boys being like, fuck, dude, can, will I ever have a bud that looks like that? You know? And when things start, going wrong and you have all these people that are relying on you and you're sharing information and you're fucking answering questions like self-sabotage starts sitting in. And I was like going through this thing without kind of really saying anything, being like, dude, I don't, I tell a couple close people like, man, I don't feel like, I feel like I'm losing whatever skills I had and my fucking rooms aren't turning out right. And shit's kind of fucking, hitting the dust and like the, the, the middle of my runs and, and fucking my drippers are always clogged and all this fucking shit. And I'm just like going back to the manufacturer and they're like, bro, isolated problem. Like, we don't know what to tell you. It's you, it's your water. And I'm like, what the fuck, dude? I got RO water. Like it's big boy. Like how much more can I do? And dude, my, my runs had suffered and I was embarrassed and I've got this fucking Patreon where I'm teaching people how to do things and consultations and drawing facilities. And the self doubt is like starting to set in more than it ever has in this level of my career. You know what I mean? And dude, by like the fucking grace of the grow gods fucking, and we talk often, but like Uh, Dylan just reached out to me out of the blue, like a little before Christmas. And he's like, bro, I need to have a conversation with you. And I was just like, yes, I, I, I knew, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just fucking knew he just got back from the Christmas party. He's like, bro. And I'm sitting there just fucking disgruntled. And I've just thrown away a thousand drippers at this point over the last four days. Like my soldiers, like I'm, I'm in Michigan and the fucking soldiers are calling me like, Bro, I'm about to walk off this. The drippers are clogged again. I'm like, stay in your fucking, in the zone. Like, keep fire. Just hold the trigger down, motherfucker. Do not (laughs) let that fucking machine gun stop firing. Like, hold the fucking line by any means necessary. You fucking walk off the battlefield, you're dead to me. Do not fucking leave your post. You know, like, had one (laughs) of those. And I'm just like, fuck, dude. I'm so, and like, Dylan calls and he's like, bro. Dude, like, I just went to L.A. (laughs) And he's like, these fucking guys and the Jungle Boys and Roach and everything. And I'm like, dude, that's fucking amazing. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, dude, can't wait to fucking, can't wait for my day. The fucking draft guy or whoever the fuck is the scout finds me and and brings me to fucking. I think it was Dylan at that point. Yeah, Dylan, and that's what he obviously. said. He was like, he's like, dude, your name came up in some conversations. And he's like, are you ready to stop fucking around and like to do this with me? Like, that's what he said. He's like, are you ready to do this with me? And I was like, man, dude, I thought you never would have, would have asked. That's awesome. And then I had like a conversation with you the next day. Yeah. No, I, I thought, um, I didn't think there'd be a chance that you'd join the team, but I was stoked to hear that 
You would. So, and I mean, I don't, I don't, I think we kept it pretty straightforward. I don't know if I said anything to you like that day about, did I get into anything? Like when we were talking about just like, no, I think like mentality or like, you kept it pretty clean the first time we talked, but then after we, you know, it it, it changed. I think like I, I, I come off strong. You know what I mean? Of course. I mean, you're craft farming. (laughs) And I remember like talking one time and I'm like, I'm going to do this and we're going to do this. And like, dude, all my fucking dude, my, my war gears ready. Like, and you're like, dude, let's just, let's just pump the brakes and like (laughs) see how the next six months go. I said, do a run first. Yeah. 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 But I'd already been running it. Yeah. You had already been running it it for like, uh, you were running it for what? A year or six months. No, I'd run it for like about four months at that point. Like I was buying it from grow generation myself. Like I just went and bought it then. And like, after that first, the like, after the second run, dude, I felt like a fucking pallet of bricks were lifted. Cause like, you can always do something one time, but you got to answer it. And like, you were like, a, you guys were like a lifeline to me, yeah, honestly. Thanks. Like, with everything that I was going through, and and so many people relying on me, and I felt just all this self doubt and like. I can't fucking recommend shit to people. And do I even feel confident in like what I'm going to tell people? You know, like I take a big pride in that. Like when you do just like giving someone bad clones and then they have hop latent virus and you're like, sorry, bro. Like I'll just replace your cuts. Fuck you. Yeah. Like you just fucked me. I'll never get that run back in my entire fucking life. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I was like just so leery on like giving people bad advice and this and that. And so like, dude, Athena turned me into a whole different kind of fucking animal. Yeah. I've, uh, I gave my neighbor a Athena sweatshirt and uh, dude's shopping at the grocery store. He has, doesn't even, not even in the cannabis game. Doesn't, knows nothing about it, but I I hear this all the time, but he calls me. He's like, Hey, uh, this guy just stopped me all passionate. He just wanted to say, you know, how, how I got this you know shirt. And I just told him you're my neighbor and shit. And he wanted me to tell you that he says, thank you for changing his life. And he's able to spend more time with his family and his kids now. And he just wanted me to call you and say, thank you. I'm like, what the fuck? You You know, dude, you'll never know like the totality of the effect that you've had. Ivan will never know the totality of the effect that he had. Like it goes so far beyond any kind of thing that we can think about in our fucking mind and like that splinter effect, just what you guys have done from inspiring to the nutrient line, to the person, the people that you guys are, to your fundamentals, to just all that shit has just like, that's why like, I feel like when, when we're lucky enough to be put in certain positions of any kind of empower or influence, like, we have like a fucking code we've got to live by because you're affecting other people than yourself, whether you realize it or not. The advice you give out affects other people. Dude, tremendously. That's why we're so passionate about the advice we give out. Dude, we give out a tremendous amount of advice yeah. between your whole fucking team. And, and just you. since I've joined and like, dude, the DMs are like yeah. cha-ching, 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 like yeah. nonstop. You know what I'm saying? And like real people giving real advice and like, I'm going to make something very fucking clear right now. I'm not in paid. I'm not a paid employee. I don't have a job with fucking Athena. Um, 
I don't fucking take like bribes. Like when someone's like, Hey man, dude, use this product. You can make 60%. Like I'm not a fucking car salesman. I only sell and use shit that is in my fucking garden. I'm not a, I'm not a hydro store. I'm a fucking specialist. I have a very unique set of skills and I only offer what I fucking believe in a thousand percent. And that's why I fucking sell Athena. I went to you and said, Hey dude, do you have any issues with me selling Athena? I want to sell the fucking nutrient because I can recommend it. And I know that fucking it can crush. Yeah. That's the difference between you and some other. And I've gotten that shit like, bro, you paid? Fuck no. Yeah. I'm not paid. Yeah. I don't even get free nutrients for my grow. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm on the fucking team because this shit made my life better and made me a better fucking cultivator. Yeah. And my fucking flower is real and my shit sells. And in an environment right now where if your shit is not fucking smoking, you ain't shit. My shit smokes and my shit fucking moves. What motivates you at this point personally in your career? I mean, for me, strategic relationships and other people and and bigger picture shit than than just me, you know, like being on a fucking team, um, being able to work with people that that I've manifested into my life, you know what I'm saying, through projects and and things like that. And and then just the results of people in the community fucking with me, you know, coming to my classes, coming to my uh, events, signing up for Patreon, like that motivates me. Like seeing other people win when, when, when you get those messages and you see those fucking canopies and, and people are calling themselves canopy King and you see them taking pride in their, their, their fucking canopies and their grow. And like, that's the most satisfying thing to me. Like I get videos from people in their tent and they're so fucking excited and so pumped. And they're like, they, they can't express themselves this way that they feel like they can express themselves to me. Like, okay, well, Lance is a fucking Viking and he talks about cut the check. Like I can send him a message like in front of their tent, you know, like <laughs> sending me a video and be like, I'm fucking crushing it, man, because of you. Like so excited, dude. Like awesome. that energy is fucking contagious, bro. And when you get to act like that, like, dude, we're fucking monkeys. Like, at the end of the day, we're gorillas. I'm a fucking silverback. Like, I want to pound my chest and fucking rip some shit off the wall every once in a while. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to tell my plants, like, I'm the fucking man. I'm your god. I will fucking put death in your fucking village if you don't follow my lead and do what I say. I will strike down upon (laughs) thee. You know what I'm saying? Like, I control your fucking light. So, just having that energy and, like, that energy is is contagious in other aspects of your life. Not just your fucking garden where you're like a, a, a fucking secret cut the check dude and, and talking to your garden and shit like that. But like if you allow that energy to re, you know, reflect in other aspects of your life, like other amazing things will happen. Yeah, absolutely. Right now, what's your favorite cultivar that you're growing? Um... Definitely right now, probably like the Cutthroat Candy, which is a strain that uh, Ian, Uncle Dad Vibes bred. Uh, originally, like I named this Fino Cutthroat Candy because 
you know, I'm always doing cut, cut the check, you know, I'm the cutthroat fucking King. And, um, he's the head of cultivation for finest and some other companies and, and just a fucking amazing breeder. You know, he's quiet, um, really self-reserved and just makes just amazing flavor. Like all his shit crushes on another level. Like every single thing I've tried from him crushes. Like he, he breeds for terps and flavor and, and just has a different, look on that you know what i mean like the anti-fuck boy shit he does like just whatever he's feeling like and whatever he wants and bro he just keeps coming out with hitters i just love growing his shit do you know what the crosses are on that one the cutthroat candy yeah i do it's um it's like a uh daily driver to skittles to wedding cake to sunday driver to runts i believe Nice. What do you think about what do you what are your thoughts on the New York market? <laughs> Fuck. I, I mean it it it's really cool for what's happening out there, you know what I mean? Like I'm not in New York, you know. I'm just getting to Michigan, but regardless like where it is when these places like open up, it, I mean New York's massive. Could New York potentially be what? larger than fucking California like like I don't like our state is so big but as long as I was growing up everything was going to New York yeah so I mean dude if you have an opportunity like I, it's very important to strike in these opportunities when they're young and coming to fruition than trying to fucking get into them when they're oversaturated so if you have any play in New York, if you have any way to be a part of a play in New York, if you have a way to get your bags in every single fucking side shop there is, like, do anything you can to be a part of that emerging market some way. And sometimes it's better to supply the picks and the shovels than be panning for the gold. I'm a fucking pick and shovel supplier. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was in the creek fucking going for gold for years. Like I got this fucking crazy little whip technique where I can slide my sand around and fucking find the, the gold in the quartz. And now I've got a shop in fucking Deadwood where I sell my picks and my shovels. And once a week I fucking gather everybody in the community together and show them my whip tech so they can buy all their tools from me and go to the fucking river and hunt their gold. But the difference between your picks and shovels is your picks and shovels comes from the garden. For sure. And, thousand percent. And that's where it has to start. Going back to, you asked me earlier, like what started craft farmer? Like that was the craft farmer name. And then when I came into this facility and I started doing those stories every fucking day, it blew up. And then my website were these hats. I remember like, telling my wife like dude I need you to help me start the store I'm gonna like I don't have any hats to wear you know I'm not a fucking walking billboard for anyone else I want to wear my shit I want craft farmer I want ferment farmer I want canopy king I was coming up with these cool little things and I wanted a fucking marijuana leaf on them and I'm like dude I want to sell these hats and I remember started like selling hats and like I sold like a thousand dollars in hats one month and I'm like so excited to my wife. I'm like, dude, we're selling hats. And she's like, I fucking hate it. I'm packing these hats every day in boxes <laughs> in our garage. And 
your fucking accounting's all fucked up. You're telling me to send to who and has this person paid and you're doing Venmo and it's a clusterfuck. We're starting the store, Shopify. Send everyone there. Do not take any more personal orders, Lance. You fuck everything up. And like, that's how it started. You know, I had my little Shopify and then every day in my videos, you'd see my whip kits on my wall and my manifold. And like, everybody was like, dude, what is, what is that? Where did you get that? And I'm like, I made it. You know, I went down to my local store and, and got some shit and found a better filter and this really good cam lock and put this water delivery system together. And then I had my poly tube and all this shit. And I'm like, people kept asking for it. And like, dude, can we get a whip kit? Like, cause I call them whip kits in my videos. And yeah. So many people had asked for it. Like I gave parts lists out and they're like, we can't find these parts and we, we don't want to do this. Like, just can you fucking put it in a bag? And I'm like, bro, I'm a, I grow 12 hours a day. Like, and it just became so overwhelming. Like people were asking for whip kits and it was a, it was January 9th or January 10th of 2020. And I'm like, fuck it. It was a Friday, Thursday night. I'm about to head to my ranch. It's like three o'clock. I did a story on Instagram like, all right, you guys, you asked for it. Here's the fucking whip kit. I'm selling this whole package with all your table fittings, everything for your poly. Your poly tube and your dripper is going to be a la carte. That's the turning point. Dude, Sunday, $64,000 in my Venmo account. Fuck. And I haven't bought an elbow. And I'm like, holy shit, dude. I think I have something here. <laughs> Fuck the hats. Like... <laughs> Sarah, put on your red panties. I'm coming home Sunday night. <laughs> and I was just like, holy shit. So January, $70,000. February, $90,000. March, $120,000. In February, someone reaches out to me and is like, dude, can you please start a Patreon? Do we like you've taught me so much. Like, I can I just send you money? Can I just fucking send you money? Cause you've blessed me so much. Like, dude, you need to start a Patreon. I'm like, oh, what the fuck is a Patreon? Yeah. You know? And so I look at Patreon and I'm like, shit, is anyone going to fucking, what is a Patreon? Patreon is like this membership service where like artists, gamers, all kinds of people with some kind of like talent or substance can have a <clears throat> an audience come and sign up and pay monthly to be a certain level a Patreon of whatever services you have. And so I signed up a Patreon, patreon.com forward slash craft farmer. And I started putting all my tech on there for a monthly subscription. <clears throat> and Obviously, the self-doubt set in right away. Like, if people don't sign up, like, this is going to be a flop. Like, you're going to look like this. And, you know, that little fucking yeah. voice, yep. you know? Yeah. So I fucking shut that voice up. And I'm like, fuck this, dude. You're craft farmer. Like, I'm tired of you, like, disrespecting yourself. Like, you you do whatever the fuck you want to do. It's it's for the right reasons. People are going to fuck with you. Doing Patreon, you know, is 6,000, 8,000, 18,000. 30,000, 40,000, you know, so Patreon kicks off, Craft Farmer Irrigation is kicking off. Last year, I did $2.7 million on craftfarmer.com selling my whip kits and Dude, nutrients. The difference between companies like yours and companies like Athena, 
is we don't we don't just offer and sell a product we we guide help and create success for sure and if you buy a whip kit and you buy athena nutrients and you do what i say on my patreon no matter how good you are or how much experience you have your shit's going to be on a different level than you're used to and like i've proven that yeah. like every day in the fucking dm yeah. like cultivation facilities and big time growers and small time growers and like wow my shit's never looked like this yeah you're selling you success know? exactly that's what it is What's up with this belt? So, uh, I got raided by the fucking feds. All my shit happened. Very large asset forfeiture case. Like, my world as I knew it fucking ended the moment that fucking happened and, and brought on this very grueling, long three-year period after that happened. And that happened, I think I was 28 or 29 when that happened. <clears throat> every fucking day of my life, I worked my grows. I had some warehouses then. Like, I didn't have a team. Dude, I used to fucking sit and trim at the table for like three days for 14 hours or like four of the people. Like, everything I did, I did. When I'm talking about cutting clones and planting and growing, I did fucking everything. I was so paranoid about having people in my shit or the wrong people knowing or anything else, you know? And when I got busted, my whole life that I knew of ended in that day. And I felt I had this very long three-year battle, you know? And like with this addicting personality I have of like work and, and focus, like I had to have something to turn to. Like weed was just taken away from me. I didn't know what to fucking do. And a very inspiring person, a good friend of mine, badass fucking dude named Jesse, hardcore into like bodybuilding and all this shit like amazing physique I'll never forget the first time he like walked into my store because I had a fake car audio store that was all blown up you know and but I was running the car audio store and this dude like walked in and I was like mesmerized with his body and like his physique and he's like hey yeah I'm here I'm interested in stereo and this dude's like 6'6 270 massive you know like fucking childhood wrestlers never seen some dude like this and I was like dude, can I touch you? <laughs> so <laughs> it's so fuck? weird, but like, that's like, I just want to touch his arm. You know what I'm saying? Like, dude, like no homo. Can I fucking touch your arm? And he was like, dude, this guy's weird. And, but you know, we became friends. And when that happened, he's like, look, man, you're going to fucking die. If you don't change all that energy and put it into something else, He's like, weightlifting and bodybuilding will take up all of your time, every fucking hour, minute you have in a day to do it. And I went extremely fucking hard, like meal prepping, fucking um, CrossFit. So like I got, and I, I had a lot, it was a perfect switch for me in my life. You know what I'm saying? Like I had to have something that took all my focus and all my action, you know what I mean? To focus on that and got down to like 170 pounds, you know, I was like 210, lost all this weight in CrossFit and then started putting the weight back on in muscle. And I was a fucking machine, dude, like six foot one, you know, 185 pounds cut, like fucking ripped out, looked amazing, amazing. When everything finished from that case and asset forfeiture and dealing with my shit, and getting off of it, a friend of mine 
brought me this fucking belt and he was like Lance like I just want you to know that you're a fucking champion you're the heavyweight champion in my mind like I've never seen somebody so fucking resilient work so fucking hard like never complaining never fucking poor me you were gonna bro I was looking at like 12 years in San Quentin it was a bad situation like I wasn't getting any offers like we were we went to we were going to trial you know what I mean like I didn't get, by the grace of God, some shit happened where I fucking got a blessing, you know, like in this whole court thing two days before we went to trial and I ended up making a, a deal that, that favored me greatly. But, I mean, I was prepared. Like, dude, if, if my peers don't agree with me, I'm going to prison for fucking 12 years, you know? Like, and at the same time, I stood up for what I believed in. They had offered me this other deal and I wouldn't take it over the asset forfeiture. And there, my family's like, dude, like the lawyer's like, Lance, you got to take this deal. And what I'm did like, they, what were they offering you? They were offering me like a felony, you know, six months, complete asset forfeiture, everything they took. And I'm like, I'm not fucking doing this. I'll never take a felony. I'll take a wobbler because I'm like, my whole life will be ruined. Or if I'm trying to do anything or... I'm not a fucking felon, man. I'm not taking this fucking deal. You know what I mean? Like, that's not me. I'm not I'm not that person. And go fuck yourself telling me you're going to take everything that I've worked for my whole fucking life. Yeah. These nuts. Yeah. Not happening. I'm not fucking signing that deal. Dude, I used to walk around with this little tiny 8 by fucking 12 bulletin board with like picture of my Bronco, my Cadillac, my boat. <sighs> fucking idiot. Here comes Lance with his fucking five-year-old <laughs> bored. fucking bored of his old possessions. Dumb fuck. You know? I don't give a fuck, dude. Like, I got my house this way. I'm getting all my shit back. Not, you know, my lawyer's like, dude, what, what are you bringing this fucking board every, can you, I'm like, dude, what do you, why? Let me tell you something, Chris. You don't know who the fuck I am. I don't question you. I hired you because you're the best. Don't question me. We're getting this shit back. You brought your board to court? Not court, but every everywhere every else. Yeah. In my everywhere I went, I brought my board. Looked at my shit. Remembered how fucking hard I worked. Bro, I had some bad shit. 67 caddy, drop top original, seafoam green, my Duramax, motorcycles, fucking bad boat. I'm like, I'm gonna get this shit back. You know, and long story short. When I was in trial, we were about to go to fucking trial. We were in jury selection. The prosecution has this card where they can throw a card and get a new judge. And like, I had a, all judges come from the prosecution side. It's never favoring you. You know what I'm saying? Like, judges are former prosecutors. Prosecutors throw the fucking biggest sentence at you, and it's their job to fuck you and hold your head underwater and kill you if they can. Like, they're fucking hyenas. Prosecutors are hyenas and coyotes. Yeah. They fucking serve themselves on dead carcasses. Their job is to fuck your life up and give you the harshest sentence possible. Private attorneys try to fucking get you the lowest sentence possible. Yeah, try to block it. You know? And so we had... A judge where they're like, dude, we're going to pull this card. We're going to fuck this kid. Like, 
maximum sentence. You know, and this judge right here, former Marines, former fucking hardcore prosecutor, you know, fucking werewolf, like eat your neck out in the courtroom. And he's like, oh man, this is not good, bro. They're going to fucking, he is telling me, and they're just so smart. He's like, dude, they're going to pull this card. We're fucked. And there's no deal anymore, Lance. They've pulled the deal off the table. You're f- like, you better fucking hope to God that we can convince, you're going to have to get on the stand, bro. You need to fucking convince them that you're not this fucking piece of shit drug dealing. You know, like they bring up my shooting. This dude has been fucking running these streets like some fucking hyena for 10 years. It was pure cannabis charges? Yeah. Cultivation? Cultivation. I was really into gun training at that time. Mm -hmm. So like doing special ops courses and shit like that. And so like when they came in, you know, had my vest, no fucking illegal firearms, no firearms, no magazines, nothing illegal. You know what I'm saying? As far as that goes. But just more fucking ammunition for... Publicly hanging you in front of your fucking city. You know what I'm saying? Dude, this fucking guy was out sick. Like randomly, like got a cold. And they fucking brought up a traffic judge. And it's the only judge sitting on the bench that came from private practice. And my fucking attorney was like, bro, you just got like a fucking Hail Mary punt. Like the only thing that can come out that could even happen that's good right now just happened to us this is amazing this is a this is this is a man that comes from from traffic court where he has sympathy for some people depending on what's going on he comes from private practice he understands what what's happening that it was just a so what is a godsend so what happened from there The moment that happened and they announced this, they came to me with an offer like 10 minutes later. And they're like, our deal's back on the table. We can just take care of this right now. And I'm like, fuck no. Do you remember the first time I denied that offer? Give me your fucking pen and pad. This is the only deal I'll take. Wobbler, six months, return my money, return my fucking boat, return my Duramax. You can have the Cadillac, the Razors, the motorcycles. And they came back and they're like, we'll do this deal. We want the boat. And I'm like, done. Signed it. Fuck. Continue. And then, and then that's when he gave me the belt. So that was the end of, I was fucking yoked. I just came off of this. I, I walked out the courtroom feeling this different thing. And like two days later, he's like, dude, I just want you to know, like, you're an absolute heavyweight fucking champion. I've always wanted a belt my whole life, you know? And he was like, dude, just watching what you've done, how you overcome things. He's like, you're the definition of a champion. You get taken out, stripped down, build your way right back up, get a championship, get knocked out, build your, like a, cha- a, a, a champion in my eyes isn't someone that just reigns supreme. It's someone that handles immense adversity, knows how to fucking treat people, has valuable um, tendencies, has a good heart. Like all these things make up a fucking champion. You know what I mean? We're all champions walking amongst the world. There's a lot, there's, there's people that stand out and, and just, 
you're a, you're you're a champion for just being a fucking person, being someone people can count on, being there for your peers. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, he gave me this fucking belt, you know, and it was just extremely. Dude, it was just heavy getting this. It felt like the greatest triumph, the greatest reward I've ever received in my life. And then um, fast forward like seven years, randomly last year, I just started wearing it in the garden. Because like if I wasn't full of myself enough, you know, and saying like, (laughs) you're the canopy king, there was this like video where like I got interviewed by a Roy or something. I've got like my belt on in the garden. People are like, who's this fucking idiot? Like... My mentality is on another level. But now that you know the story of the belt, and and I felt like, and and never before have I felt like more of a champion. I'm looking at my garden and room after room after room after room is fucking firing, and I'm motivating people, and people fucking love me, and I'm inspiring people to do things and inspiring people to fucking grow. And then I thought to myself, dude, I'm gonna start giving this away. Like, I'm gonna, I'm. I want to do some, I'm always wanting to do things differently. And I'm like, I'm going to look within our com- our community and I'm going to find people who stick out to me, who I think deserves this qualification of a champion. You know, in my mind, they're a fucking champion. And just like a month and a half ago, I crowned uh, Dylan at Toledo Garden Supply and gave him his heavyweight championship belt. You had one made? Yeah. That's awesome. And I think he gave it to his little brother who's fighting cancer. Awesome. That's rad, dude. So for me, you know, like I'm watching too. You know, I see who's doing things and there's so many fucking people deserving of it. There's a long, long list. Now the belt was well-deserved. You know, hearing the story and just telling the story, people don't realize being in the thick of that and holding fast when you have the DOJ about to put you to put you away for 12 years for cultivating cannabis. Like when I got busted, there was no money. We're not even talking lots of plants. I did like 12 plants of four by eight. So like I only got caught with like 220 fucking plants. Like, dude, they got me on the money laundering. Money laundering was bad. The story keeps getting worse. Like I was facing those charges and dealing with that. And then like, dude, six months into it, I opened my mailbox one day and there was like this packet this thick from the court. And that's when I learned I was being charged with like 63 counts of money laundering. And like when I read that, I could handle the other shit, but like shit got very real very quick when every single charge is six months. Cultivation is a non-stackable offense. So like they might have raided and got me in four locations but it's one charge. I can only serve time one time for all those things that they bust. Money laundering is an individual six-month felony charge. So I had 63 felonies yeah. that I was fucking going up against. Yeah. Respect. 53 of them I got thrown out a year and a half into the trial. Like Big cases are full of little battles, you know? Yeah. Respect, bro. Crazy. Yeah. Mad respect. Thank you. So I really appreciate uh, you coming down and 
and letting me interview you. Dude, of course. It's it's been a fucking pleasure. Like I said, like we're working to the we're working together because of how inspiring, you know, you are and, and the company is and these other hitters that I'm in the lineup with and so I'm I'm just super fucking grateful that, you know, you fuck with me and you know, you support me when, when I come to you for anything, you know, you're, you've been very, very supportive, you know, we're just getting to know each other and, and, you know, like I've told Ivan, I'm a fucking soldier. And if you ever fucking need me, dude, I will be there and I will ride in fucking hard and it will be bloody and we will win. You're a legend, bro. Respect. <laughs>